Libby writes with Brian Scott Libby. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Tuesday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast. Today we had Colin Brister back on. Couldn't uh, couldn't skip out on Selection Monday, even though Ole Miss is not involved. We talked a lot about the uh, eeriness of Ole Miss being an afterthought on the uh, NCAA baseball selection show and just not in the mix at all. Uh, why Selection Monday 2024 will be an important and telling date for the program. Took a look at the field of 64 and uh, also hit on some updates in the Alabama and now Cincinnati betting scandal that ended up with ended up resulting in Brad Bohannon's firing. So a uh, long podcast. I kept it was like one of the old fashioned ones from the uh, early days of Colin and I did it. I kept it for two hours, not by design, but we just kind of kept rolling. So buckle up. I think you'll enjoy it. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you, podcast is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, Rent the Sip Oxford. Are you looking for a place? On any Oxford weekend to come up, maybe football weekend, graduation, whatever the case may be, they can be hard to come by. You know how the game is on big Oxford weekends. Rent the Sip can help you with that. Their Turnberry unit is located off of Old Taylor Road. It sleeps eight comfortably. It has a pool, a spa, tennis courts. It's all gated, and it is available for rent on the weekends. My friend Bracken Ray, this is his first rental property, Rent the Sip, Oxford. Good dude, friend of the podcast, of course, our basketball guy, and he wants to help make it easier for you to find a place to rent in Oxford on big weekends, random weekends. Maybe you're just coming up for a night and you don't want to deal with the hotel. He can help you with that. It is a nice condo unit that is gated right off there off Taylor Road, less than a mile from campus, straight shot across uh, the old highway there to Swayze Field, not too far from Vaught-Hemingway Stadium as well. It is booking up fast, but he still has availability for the Mercer, Vandy, and ULM football game weekends. It's also available for move-in week into the dorm for freshmen and rush week. So go ahead and book that now. All you have to do is go to rentthesipoxford.com. That'll take care of everything else. You can go online and book it. If you have questions, there's a contact number there. Feel free to call it, and they'll answer any questions you have. And if you use the promo code RIPPYWRITES, That'll get you 100% off any stay that's a two-night minimum. So if you book it for two nights and use the promo code RIPPYWRITES, that'll get you 100 bucks off. Good people to work with. Bracken would never steer you the wrong way. And it is a great place, great location in a town where it's often hard to find weekend rentals or really rentals at all. So check them out, rentthesipoxford.com. Very happy they're starting to sponsor the show. So be sure to check them out. If you have any questions, you can holler at me as well. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Go check them out. If you're wanting to build up your bankroll before football season, Mark Harris and the guys at Skybox NASCAR are crushing it on the track every weekend, just racking up positive unit weekends. But as football season will be here before you know it, just go online to skyboxsportspicks.com. You can find a picks package that fits your price range. You can try it for a day, a week, a month, whatever, college football, NFL football. They've also got college basketball coming up uh, not too far from that as well. All you have to do is go sign up for the picks package, type in the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase. They're the only way to profit in the long run. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg if you're a Rippy Wright subscriber. That's rippywrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats right now. Three, six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. It's about a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 
bucks. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you all set up. Then go find all your own favorites. LB's is the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meat, awesome sausages, fresh seafood. It's the best butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. It's prime grilling time. Go make your grilling experience great by stopping by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here's Colin Brister on a lot of college baseball stuff. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. It is Memorial Day, Section Monday. We're here to break down Ole Miss's opponents in the Oxford Regional. I, what kind I was going to ask. Get? Oh, wait. what? Ha- oh, do we have to restart that? I messed up. No, we're not. No, no. Um, I was just going to ask, do you think Tulane winning cost Ole Miss their spot? You know, I don't think John Cole could give him the benefit of the doubt. But on the selection show today, I didn't hear a ton of mentions of Ole Miss, so I think they probably got robbed because of the conference they're in. It's a good point. They gave it to State Ole Miss's bid this year. The rest of the job by the committee once more. It's a weird feeling, man. I mean, it's, you know, you and I have been doing these podcasts for a couple years now, and, you know, they usually last at minimum till you know, first, second week yeah. of June every year we've been doing it. it, it we've been done for – Two weeks now. We didn't do a podcast last week after the regular season technically ended. We did kind of the season wrap up the week before. It's a bizarre feeling, is it not? Yeah. So okay. So like we we I guess Ole Miss has missed the tournament in 2002, 2011, and 2017. In 2011, I was a high school senior and I just subscribed to a uh, Rebel Group, and I saw on there that morning that Ole Miss wasn't making it. And then in 2017, I think Chase had kind of alerted the board that Ole Miss was not going to be in the tournament. Um, but, like, it's the first time I've ever watched the selection show and know that Ole Miss's name is not going to pop up there. Like, like in 2011, 2017, I just kind of hoped Chase was wrong. Um, but, like, today I turned it on and I watched it. I'm just like, I know Ole Miss isn't going to be up here. And it's one of the most weird feelings ever because you just come to expect it. Um, hopefully in 2024, that is, that is not the case because I did not enjoy watching that knowing that Ole Miss's name was not going to pop up. And that's part of what I want to get into today. I'm actually writing something that's pretty much almost finished. I know there's some newsletter subscribers probably wondering if my fingers still work and update on that. They do. I uh, had some life <laughs> stuff happen the last couple of months, but I'm kind of getting back on the writing train and I kind of want to write on Memorial you Day. Out of your house. Yeah, exactly. Moving, <laughs> you know, getting engaged, doing the wedding planning, which is kind of a cop out because I don't really have any say in the process. But point being, I got I kind of was like, all right, I'm gonna sit back down and I'm gonna kind of do the anatomy of how all this went wrong. And I figured Memorial Day, you know, day after whenever it comes out, it'll be out by the time you're listening to this podcast. Whenever it is, a little bit symbolic, right? Because Memorial Day 2024 is kind of the premise of it will be pretty telling yeah. as to kind of where Ole Miss is as a program and whether they're not there to the right the ship or not. That fair? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things in the research process of writing these kind of longer form things that I'm doing on the newsletter now was examining the three previous instances of Ole Miss missing the NSA tournament under the in the Mike Bianco era, which is 2002, 2011, and 2017. And you just highlighted the most fascinating one. I talked to Chase about this, I think, in the past, too, and texted him a little bit about it today. The 2011 one is an insane season that I admittedly don't really remember. I was in high school still. I was thinking a junior or a sophomore or a sophomore or a junior. I can't really remember. I think a sophomore at that point. I was still following Ole Miss baseball, but not nearly to the level that I do, obviously, now. And I guess I just memory hold this season. But they entered that last weekend with a chance to win the West and left it missing. Yes. They um so which seems impossible fact, nowadays. Fun yeah, fun fact. Um they played a doubleheader 
uh, against Arkansas, where if they had won, I believe, one of the games, they would have technically won the SEC West. And if they lost both of them, they were going to miss Hoover. They did all this on my 18th birthday and lost both games. Is that I was as I would, was at a surprise party, um, so that was miserable. Um, they blew the game in the the second game. I'm 95 percent sure they had a lead. Like in the, they, it was two seven inning doubleheaders, um, and I'm pretty sure they had a lead in the sixth or seventh inning in the last game, and proceeded to blow it. So yeah, 2011 was. Uh, not a great year for the Rebels. They uh they weren't great on the mound. I think they had uh Austin Wright was their was their Sunday guy. Um and then I believe Goforth was their Saturday guy and they started Matt Krause on um Friday. Yeah, not 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 a great baseball team. The Rebels were up three to two going into the bottom of the six and gave up three runs uh before the top of the seventh and lost. That was that was not good. And what a wild year. If you go back and look at the standings, I pulled up something called 14powers.com. Pretty good college baseball reference site. Ole Miss finished two games back of first place in the West and missed Hoover and the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas they only won took, it at 15 and 15. Because they only took eight back then. Yeah, that wasn't great. And Ole Miss played Arkansas, so if you give one win to Ole Miss and one loss to Arkansas, they're all tied. It's <laughs> It would have been – if that being the case and the rest of it shaking out the way it did, that would have been a five-way tie for first at 14 and 16. Yes. Yes, that would have that would have been correct. Um, Can you imagine the podcast we'd have done on that? Oh my God. If I if I'm look, I'm gonna tell you this right now. Had you put 18-year-old Colin Brister on a podcast after Ole Miss had lost two games in Fayetteville, Arkansas to Miss Hoover in the NCAA tournament, I I, I might not have been allowed to attend college. We were just born too late. Can you imagine how badly I would have screwed up the tiebreaker scenarios in a five-way tie? That would have been must-listen must podcasting just to listen to me fumble through that. I can't even begin how I would decipher that. I've made it well known on this pod. I'm not a math guy by any stretch of the imagination. But that I, we might have just had to actually end the podcast there for good. It would have been like somehow Florida wins the SEC West. Yeah. Can we award it to – well, the other side's not – like not much – I'd say not that much less crazy. There was a three-way tie at the top that year. South Carolina, Florida, and Vanderbilt. South Carolina wins the East that year. All three of those clubs are 22-8. and eight. Oh, this Ole Miss – I'm looking at the box score from this day. Man, these are some names right here. Um, Tanner Mathis, center fielder. Alex Yarbrough, third base. Matt Smith, right field. Matt Snyder, DH. Matt Tracy, left field. Uh, Matt Tracy was a uh, pitcher, too. Miles Hamblin caught. Will Allen played first base. Austin Anderson played shortstop as a freshman. Blake Nawalu played second base. And Austin Wright pitched. That's, so, a, that's a lineup. And what you, what you think about that in terms of what those guys became, either as Ole Miss people or as Ole Miss players or their professional career – you would think actually like that's not that bad of a lineup. No, it's not. Um, Arkansas in game three started a major league pitcher and a major league catcher, um, guys that eventually made the major leagues. You know, Ryan Stanick, that he's had actually a kind of long career. A hell of a um, and then, for the race. And, and then James McCann caught for them. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty talented lineup. Ole Miss, uh, Almost pitched Bobby Wall. He he made the majors. Uh, outside of that, I don't see any major league players. 
we've talked about this a number of times, but it's crazy being following college baseball closely and keeping up with it. The amount of guys when you watch an MLB game that you're like, oh, I saw that guy two, three years ago is kind of astounding. Oh, well, it's getting even crazier because guys that were drafted in the 2023 draft are now being called up to the major league. Like, they don't even spend time in the minors anymore. And part of that is because the SEC and, and college baseball, to an extent, is is essentially double-A. Yeah, um, you're exactly right. That's a terrific point. And do you remember so, even kind of the, the outliers beyond that? Do you remember Dylan Dodd? Yeah, from SEMO uh, that, that Tim Elko hit a long ways. 2021 Oxford Super – or excuse me, Oxford Regional. He was, he was that ace for SEMO. He was good. Well, he made his debut for the Braves in late April. He started oh. – he's, he's made spot starts for the Atlanta Braves. Oh, okay. That kid was good. Ole Miss was just better that night. But uh, that, that kid was solid. So I, I could I could see that. Yeah, he's been up and down. He's been kind of a 4A yo-yo guy for the Braves as they've dealt with, I guess, a couple of arm injuries. I haven't kept up much with the Braves this year. But I remember seeing a tweet in late April that said Dylan Dodd will make his major league debut starting for the Atlanta Braves site. And I was like, damn, that name sounds familiar. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's because I watched that guy in Oxford, you know, at the time, like 20, 19, 20 months ago in a regional game. Yeah, I was wondering if Derek Diamond was going to be able to beat him two years ago. Yeah, um, what, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Um, CMOS actually had like two guys go and pick. So you got him and then Joey Lucchese, uh that's pitched for the Padres now, I believe, for the Mets. So uh, CMOS had some arms come through there. Um, I don't Missouri know how, State I had a decent program for, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Missouri sucks. Also, what is Missouri doing? Like, like, well, they're in the market for a new coach. Um, yeah. And I think their selling point is, no one's going to come to the games. We're not going to renovate these facilities. How does five years sound? Yeah, I say I don't know how Missouri sucks. I'm being a little facetious. I know how they suck because they don't care about baseball. Um, and I thought Beezer actually did a pretty decent job considering, you know, they don't care about baseball. He's a they good coach. Yes. If they wanted to not suck, they could not suck. All they had to do is invest in the program. Um, I meant that. I don't know how they suck in, like, I don't know why you don't invest a little bit because you can you can make some noise there if you wanted to. You can run the Missouri market. There's, there's obviously players there because Missouri State and SEMO seem to find them. Um, so and I, fan I buy-in may be a little tough because I mean, I've told this story multiple times on the podcast, probably to you to some degree. But, you know, I went to Mizzou in 2019 for a football game. I put my media credentials at Will Call. What I ultimately learned was I had to walk through kind of the center of their tailgating area that October day to go get it from the basketball arena. Maybe it was the old basketball arena. I can't remember, but every single, I say every single one, it was kind of weird because to some degree it felt like an SEC tailgating environment, but every single TV that I passed by in a tent had Cardinals playoff baseball on. Huh. So like yeah. in terms of like fan buy-in, I could see how it could be a little bit tougher, but to the point, to your point where it's like, it's not like they don't actually have players or talent based to recruit from. That just seems not to be true. You just have to, you know, care. Yeah. And, and Beaster's done a good job there. He, I, yeah. He, he's a, Pretty good coach. I'm, I'm, look, obviously, you know, he didn't make the NCAA tournament, whatever, four or five years. But I, I'm very interested. I know this sounds dumb, but I'm kind of interested in who they hire. Because if you go hire – because I know a lot of people are going to turn that job down. Apparently, um, you know, they're, they're trying to hire some SEC assistants. But if you're an up-and-coming essay, like just – and I don't know this – well, like, I don't even know if he'd be interested. I highly – you know, I don't know. But, like, if I'm Mike Clement, don't call me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, don't, don't call me. Um, 
So I, I don't know what Missouri's going to do. I don't know Clem hardly at all. Um, we might, if we passed each other, he might recognize me enough to say hello. But I, I just say that to say, I don't know what kind of personality he has, but it would be kind of funny, like if Mizzou called and he'd be like, you guys serious? <laughs> like, did you no. call the right number? Are you kidding me right now? And then just click. <laughs> I went six and 24 here this year, and that would be way more enjoyable. Yeah, I think, I think I'll stick around for a bit. But to bring it back kind of on topic, at least a little bit, was through the research process of this story that I have to go out in the newsletter probably on Tuesday, is I kind of dug through the last two times Ole Miss missed the NCAA, or last three times Ole Miss missed the NCAA tournament, the only other three times the Bianco era. I remember the 17 era vividly yeah. because I was covering it full time at that point. I don't remember 02, but Ole Miss was 14 and 16. We've covered this before. They needed to probably win that Auburn game to feel real good about themselves in Hoover that Tuesday in single elimination. They lose five to four. And then the rest of the week plays out. If I remember correctly, they were kind of sort of on the right side of the bracket when they yeah, they were. Over. But then, yeah. of course, you let it play out while you're sitting at home, ended up on the wrong side of the bracket. I don't remember 2002. Um, I'll plead guilty there because I was seven. Oh, oh, buddy, buddy, you want to talk about a podcast meltdown. They lost, I believe, 14 of 15 straight SEC games to miss the tournament, including fin- losing. Well, they finished 14 and 16. Yes, um, I'm telling you, they lost three straight games. To, to Listen to – how would this have gone over today? Um, they lost – they got swept in Starkville by a not good state team at the end of the year. All they had to do was win one game to make the tournament, and they got swept by a Mississippi State team that did not make the NCAA tournament. Oh, it was bad, man. They were – I'm pulling up that schedule now. Let's see. They lost two or three to South Carolina, lost three to Arkansas – you're so they correct. lost eight, lost eight of nine. They lost two out of three. So that would be um, ten of twelve. Yeah, they lost ten of twelve to end the year, including a three-game sweep in Starville to end the year. Um, that their last series win up. was April nineteenth against Alabama, and that includes a back-end sw- like they were swept the last two weekends. Yeah, they were twelve and six and decided to go two and ten. I might have a stroke. If that happens again. Another missed opportunity because I believe Mike made the NCAA tournament his first year and then they collapsed like that. We could have gotten on top of the, does Mike Bianco have the clutch gene back in 02? Supposedly, oh God, imagine how this would have played out on message boards. Supposedly somewhere, I think when they were like, you know, had like an absurd record, they gave Mike a new contract and a raise in that year too. And then it went to crap. Attaboy Pete Boone. (laughs) Imagine how that goes over today. No, I kind of get it. Because they really oh, didn't have any baseball history. They remember I'm Mike. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I keep telling the story about him speaking to the dental company I work for. But one of his kind of like parts of the speech was him talking to Skip Berkman uh, when he took the Ole Miss job. And you know, he's like, "What's the biggest problem I face?" And Berkman goes, "Well, the first one is you don't have any SEC players." Uh, <laughs> so Mike was like, "Man, what?" And so he tells this story about how he kind of had to make the most of the little, and he tells this story about Chad. Chad Sturbin's that his first ever yeah. shortstop about how he was like, we were last in everything the year before I took over, including getting hit by pitches. And he was like, I'm going to make this team tougher. We are going to get hit by pitches. We're not going to balk out or, you know, uh, lean out of getting hit by pitches. So he tells this story of them practicing getting hit with a cloth baseball. They'd be taking BP and then the guy throwing BP and the would mix in a cloth ball and just beam them. Um <laughs> 
in BP. And you're, the point being was you le- not lean into it, but don't get out of the way. You know, take it on the shoulder, yeah. take it on the back, whatever. So the fairway, the first ever run scored in the Mike Bianco era. Sturbins leads off. He gets hit by a pitch, steals second, scores on a base hit. And he ended up like leading the SEC and hit by pitches that year. And Mike would mention it in every one of his postgame speeches. And the moral of his story where he's talking about con- con- constant encouragement of guys was that they played like a late May series to end the year and Sturbins gets hit by a pitch and they wrap up the series. Mike does his postgame talk and Sturbins is still standing there and he apparently looks at Mike and goes, hey, I got hit by a pitch. And Mike was like, yeah, you did. He goes, well, you didn't mention it. He's like, well, Chad, I got a lot going on right now. You know, there's a lot to manage. Like, I didn't know I needed to mention this every time. And he kind of ties it into, you know, don't be afraid to continue to encourage people even when you feel like you don't need to do it anymore. But I found that story funny. Apparently, Sturbin's after his, like, 20th hit by pitch of the year was like, hey, man, like, you didn't recognize this. I've heard this story uh, somewhere, and Sturbin's was – he essentially said, I didn't know I needed to mention it every time. And they said Sturbin's looked at him and said, you do if you want me to keep getting hit. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. You just put a word for word. You bookended it better than I could have. That's how he, that's how he ended – that's kind of how Mike ended that story in his speech. And I, I guess I mentioned that just to say, you know, Mike did a lot with the little that year. They start off hot the next year. I could see them getting all hot and jolly. Sure. And like, let's let's ink this guy up for a while. Yeah, no, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying, imagine what that would. Oh, nowadays. Oh my God. So, sir, you know, kind of summarizing all of that to say is, this one is different because yeah, it's not even close. Um, They they were in the mix every single time up to this, and you know, at six and twenty-four, even though we joked at the top of the show, guess what? Not in the mix. And you know, whether this becomes a one-off or not, I think the next, you know eight to nine months in particular, however much time lapses between now and the start of next season, or really kind of between now and fall ball, will go a long way in telling and how they fix this. But it is a very surreal place to be because not only have we talked about Ole Miss being an afterthought, or really not even an afterthought on Selection Monday, the way the season went, I mean, this wasn't really like a, you weren't following the story of this season from realistically that state series or that Arkansas series on. So this has kind of been, like fan base wise has been checkout mode since the beginning of April, which is just really unprecedented for the last two decades of Ole Miss baseball. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, you know, it's been tough watch. And and I think some of it is, man, I'm not saying kids aren't trying because they are. I, I, I don't, I don't get behind the notion that they quit and they didn't play hard, but some of it was, man, they were so hard to watch. Like, it's, oh yeah. You know, I mean, like, yes, they sucked, and, and and people probably some people probably turned it off because of the record, and I get that. People probably turned it off because they were tired of watching them give up six runs in an inning. Um, you know, what I mean, like they they were not a fun team to watch. Um, the 2017 team was not good, and they couldn't hit their way out of a wet paper sack. But at least I knew every single day that somebody was going to go to the mound. And they were going to throw strikes, and they were going to have an opportunity to win the game. There were games this year like, hey, I had no shot. You know what I mean? Like, when, when they go against Paul Skeens, like, what are they going to do, win? How? <laughs> um, you know, like, like when Casey Miles rolled in here in 2018, he got his brains beat in. Uh, Paul Skeens was not going to get his brains beat in this year. They just they just weren't competitive. And that, that and I'm not saying that from a they, – they weren't competing standpoint. I'm saying that they just weren't good enough. And, and I think they did, we did – They didn't do the little things well, to add on to your point. Like, they, it made it a harder watch because they would trip over themselves despite being overmanned or outmatched and overmanned or whatever you want to call it. 
Yeah, and I think we both recognize early on, like everybody wanted to do. Well, the last year team started seven and fourteen. I'm like, yeah, last year's team was good. Um, this, I think we both recognized early. This this team is not very talented. Um, this team is not very good. Um, so you know, it's we we kept doing the how they gonna get the fourteen thing, and I'm like, well, they suck. So I don't I don't know how they're gonna do that. Um, you were early they, on that one too. I, after the second sweep, you were kind of, we talked before we were recording. You're like, Hey, I know we need to do this because they're still kind of in it, but are they really getting to 14? And we were both kind of looking at each other like, mm, not really, no shot. They're, they're not good. And, um, here's the, here's the question. There's two questions. Well, one, if you're all Miss and, and you're Mike, I get it. Hunter Elliott was hurt. And Josh Mounts was hurt. And Riley Maddox was out this year. For, for essentially the entire year, because when he came back, he wasn't right. Are you absolutely sure? And I've asked this before. Are you absolutely sure if those guys are healthy, this team gets to a regional? Because I'm not. I'm not absolutely sure. Um, I can argue maybe, but I'm not 100% positive. So you're talking about Mallets and Elliott, correct? Yeah, yeah. Even if you have both of those guys, are we sure this is a regional team? No, the answer the answer in terms of are you sure is no. I would probably, if you put a gun to my head and said, you know, healthy Mallets, healthy Elliot, you know, do they make a regional yes or no? You have to put a thousand bucks or if you don't decide, you know, pull the trigger type thing. I'd probably lean yes, but it's not a certainty by any degree. And one of the things I, one of the, I say arguments or things I tried to outline in the written piece was I didn't even throw the Mallets equation into it. I just said if this team had a hundred healthy Hunter Elliott, they definitely still weren't wait, making a regional. Um, yeah, and which I think you agree with, and that's a great segue. You're getting pretty good at this podcasting thing. Four years in, I got some numbers as to th- uh, to throw to you as to why. You ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. So one of the things I was looking up earlier today was if I were going on a TV show, if I was doing the Ole Miss version of First Take, and I really just wanted to make a ruse on Twitter and yell like Stephen A. Smith does, I would go, I would latch on to the fact that they had three guys, three hitters make all first team, or excuse me, second team all SEC in a loaded SEC, uh, loaded yeah. SEC and went six and 24. Now, is that a telling statistic? No, but on its surface level, that is kind of weird, right? You had three of your eight position players make second team all SEC and you were the worst team in the conference. Yeah, um, it was because everybody else was really bad. You're exactly um, right, which leads me to you ready? To, I, I don't want to make you faint here uh, late May as we record this on a Monday night, but are you ready for a couple of numbers from SEC play? Oh, God, I'm looking at them, but go ahead. Which one do you want to talk about? All right. The three that made second team all SEC were Kemp Alderman, Jacob Gonzalez, and Calvin Harris. Do you know that the combined OPS, so the average OPS of those three? What's that? 971. Proud of play. And that's factoring an 886 OPS with Harris, who kind of cooled off. Remember, Harris at the time, like for, you know, yeah. I would say half to two thirds of the SEC slate, I mean, that guy was in the 1100s. So that's yeah. accounting for a dip in his production at 971. Do you know the combined or averaged out OPS of every other player, position player who started at least 10 SEC games? So you right. in order to qualify, you had to had had to start 10 of the 30. 10 of the 30. Okay. And you said theirs was what? 971. All right. And the team OPS is 754. I'm gonna go uh about 620, 630. Damn, you were right on 628. Oh my god. 
Oh, not God. great. And that's include and that's including now here, here's the problem with that. That's including Will Furness, who has a 782 OPS. That is correct. Uh, now, one thing that would average that out the other way, that is not including John Kramer, who started nine games. So he fell yeah. short of my threshold, and he was in the 740s, I want to say. Yeah. Doesn't wow. make it yeah, any better, no, but no, it's not I, a total he, anomaly. Kramer's actually 821. He actually, I think, is going to be pretty solid. He was at 821. Um, okay, never mind. That was better than I remembered, but still. Yeah. Fur Furness and Kramer actually had sneaky, decent years. Um, but it's like, man, you look at Ethan Grop, 543. Anthony Clarko, 678. Those are two transfer portal pieces you were using to beef up your lineup. And they did not perform to what you thought they should. And in um, fairness with Ethan Leger, he turned it around and had a pretty decent year. But for the time where Ole Miss was still fighting to tread water, he was not much of a contributor. Yeah. Um, man, just just not good. I don't know. Whew, they got to get better. And, and I think they will. I think they've got a plan. I think they're going to execute the plan. And and I trust this this team to be able to uh, – or this staff to be able to to do that. But, man, they've got to get better. They, they just are not talented enough. They hit the fewest home runs in SEC play. They had 36. Would you like to take a guess? You could probably, uh, if you haven't pulled up, actually get the actual guess. But the trio that made second team all SEC, do you know how many they accounted for? Um, uh, no, Alderman's like nine or 10. Um, I would guess 17. 22. No, oh, okay. I was a little off. They so, drove in 140 what? runs in SEC play. Do you know how many mo those trio accounted for? They drove – they only drove in 140 runs? That would be correct. They had 140 RBI. Oh, my God. Oh, this is this is making me sick. Um, I would get 60? 70, 50%. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> so, the good news I, is – but hold, hold on. Good news is with those guys, right? Um, they are coming back, right? All three, all three are back. Well – See that's that that therein lies the the problem, and I know you're fully aware of this. The, those guys actually they they will not come back, barring some sort of planet aligning miracle. They they will not be back. Oh, well, that's good. Doesn't seem great. <laughs> that's great. Your your entire offense is leaving. Is that is that a problem? Seems bad. Well, it's only half their runs in SEC play. <laughs> Yeah, look, I saw about some kid um, from Sacramento State. He's a shortstop, and he let, like, I don't know, 380 with, like, 14 home runs. Almost needs to give him a billion dollars. I don't I don't know what they have in the NIL fund, um, but they, they need to give that kid a billion dollars, and, and they can start there. Hmm, a billion. Yeah. Did he take yeah, it? Just a billion. I don't know. Um, I don't know. LSU would probably outbid him. That is probably true, LSU Beg. Well, we got a billion one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Our Lady of the Lake has been seeing a lot of patience. God, my kingdom for Oregon State to win the Baton Rouge Regional. <laughs> God, no kidding. Uh -huh. now, what would be funny? What would be funnier? Oregon State winning the Baton Rouge Regional, or or Kentucky winning the LSU Super Regional? Because that's who they're matched with. Oh, I think probably Oregon State, but Kentucky winning the LSU Super would still be pretty funny. I mean, that that's a coin flip. That's 1A, 1B. You know, oh, what, what's to LSUs, I don't even know if I can give them credit for this because this is like giving someone credit for not like instigating a bar fight every time they go out. 
but with the amount of money that LSU paid to assemble their team, and I, I don't mean to say that as like a from like a, I would say a, as the youth say a hater mentality. You know, use the resources available to you to build the best sure. roster. They were not a hateable team. Can you imagine no. if Tennessee was like we spent one point five million on a roster in the twenty twenty two Tennessee Volunteers were the product of that? I mean. <laughs> If, I, if there's a way to make them more unlikable, I guess that's the way we just figured it out. Isn't it crazy that, you know, Tennessee just cannot hit away from home? It's the craziest thing. They went to uh, – they got one hit in the SEC tournament this this weekend. Just absolutely nuts that when the volunteers take their act on the road, um, they're not able to swing it as well. That's crazy. Well, I don't understand. What are you alluding to? I'm just saying it's crazy that they can't hit – well, away from home. That's all I said. I just said that the volunteers, when they don't play at what's that crap hole stadium? What's its uh, name? I don't know. At this point, I would Lin- assume it's Tony Vitello Field. That's a good point. Um, it's it's Lindsey Nelson. It's Lindsey Nelson. Um, but what did that guy uh, ever do that Coach Vitello didn't? That's a good point. Um, probably you know maybe won a game in College World Series. Um, Irrelevant. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, good point. Um, but you know, I just think that it's wild that, um, you know, they uh they they don't swing it overly well away from Lindsey Nelson Stadium. That's crazy to me. They actually played A and M um in the regular season and and uh at home and they scored uh let's see that would be twenty seven runs an average of nine a game and then they played them in Hoover and they got one hit just the damnedest thing. The only thing I remember irritating me in my years of covering the SEC tournament in Hoover was the Whistler, but I don't recall any trash cans. You don't, you don't know trash cans? Not to a regular beat, no. Uh, you know, okay. one count fastball, two count fastball, three count fastball. <laughs> Come on, now. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we're going to Astros, um, but I'm just saying, I, I have no insight. I'm just saying it is absolutely not that they uh hit so well at home and they do not they do not hit well on the road. I don't know what 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 the deal is there. They hit well at home and they don't on the road. So it's gonna be really interesting when they go to the regionals. Yeah, I don't actually have any insight here, but that's the beauty of this podcast. We're just two schmucks that, you know, work in, you know, private equity and coach high school baseball. We don't actually have to have any basis for these. We can just throw it out or whatever. If we actually have a Tennessee fan listening, uh, this will be proof. We will hear about it, if I had to guess. Um, Last kind of old Miss note before I kind of want to get into the field of 64. I got a couple other random updates for you. The note about, and this is something I go into in the piece as well as I keep teasing it, is do you think there's a lesson to be learned in those statistics I threw at you about the trio versus everyone else? And look, it's not as cut and dry as they didn't build a roster around those three. Of course, that's not really how it worked. Right. You know, some of that is due to the regression of TJ McCants. Some of that is due to the up and down nature. And the only reason I can say up and down is because the second half of the SEC season, when it was too little too late, that Peyton Chatagnier had kind of much like he did in the postseason last year. But the pieces that they kind of brought in around them to replace the likes of a Justin Bench, a Kevin Graham, and a Tim Elko. Look, is that something, is that easy, even on their own, is each one of those easy to replace? Hell no. But their portal acquisitions were not impact players. And, you know, I don't know what that, what the reason for that is. I do know, and I will vouch for them from this standpoint, the unfortunate nature of the way the college baseball portal thing is structured, Ole Miss was at a bit of a disadvantage playing till the last week of June. 
because the teams that weren't playing kind of got a head start on the whole portal thing and Ole Miss is in Omaha. And it's not like you have support staff people and a team of recruiting staff and stuff like that in college baseball. So it didn't help. But the guys that they did bring in were not impact guys. And I guess to, you know, boiling it down to its base level, with the amount they lose in the field next year, I mean, I'll just put it simply, that, that can't happen. You have to have a much higher hit rate with a much larger sample size than you did this past year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you've got to be you, – you've got to hit on this transfer pool or it's not going to go well. Um, I, I mean, that's just that's just the reality of the situation. Um, they, they've got to bring in impact dudes, dudes that can play immediately because obviously, look, they went 6-24. and 24, They're not good enough. Um, so – just, just, just got have got to be better. Um, there's no doubt about that. They have got to be better. Um, so, um, yeah, just that's there's. Like, I don't know how to put it any differently. They have got to be better at the plate. Um, and that the, they they're got to be better offensively. And the only way you're going to really do that, outside of relying on some maybe some uber talented freshmen, um, is to bring in transfer portal guys. You better hit on them. Um, so the good news for them is is they've got a head start on all the teams in the regional that are worried about you know how they're going to win the regional. Uh, versus, you know, Ole Miss has got no worries about a regional this week. Um, and I'm not saying that insultingly. I've, I've, I've joked enough. I'm, I'm saying they this week they need to be on the road. They need to be doing whatever they need to do. I don't know about dead periods and all that, but they need to be um, very, very concerned about, you know, get, getting highly, high, high impact players from the transfer board. You're exactly right, and you mentioned kind of the dead period and all that. I, Chase wrote a column about 10 days ago, I think, when the season ended, kind of doing the classic retooling of the roster and everything that we're talking about. And if I believe I have this right, and this obviously comes from having the internet tab open from writing earlier, Chase posted that story on May the 19th. We're recording this on the night of May 29th. Chase said they had 10 days till the transfer portal window opens. Not a mathematician, but that would either mean it's already open or it's opening tonight or tomorrow. And so, again, I'm asking you an impossible question here, but do you remember last year when the traction started coming? Like, was it when teams started getting laid from regionals or do you expect news on the portal front this week? I, I honestly, this is such a foreign concept. I don't remember how that news cycle goes down. Um, I'm not sure. And and I think it's going to be interesting this year because, you know, obviously NIL is going to play an even bigger factor. The farther we get into this NIL era, uh, that's just going to be reality. Um, so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting with that going forward. Um, the reality is, though, but, but a lot of good players are not going to enter the portal until after their team gets eliminated as well. Right. Um, so kind of just uh, that, that timetable will certainly be interesting. I'm not totally sure um, how that'll work, but um, certainly be certainly be something to follow as far as Ole Miss recruiting goes over the next few days or in weeks. And Chase has already reported this, and it's out in the public, so I don't mind sharing it, but he did report as the season ended that he believes that they have a competitive NIL war chest, as everyone likes to call it now, to um, to to utilize. And I've kind of heard the same uh, just from talking to a couple people still halfway connected here around town, even though I'm not in this full time anymore. And this sounds like I'm saying this halfway jokingly, but I'm really not. I, one of the small benefits of it is they're not going to have to use a whole lot of it on roster retention. Yeah, because you don't really care. Yeah. I don't I'm think so there's going to be a lot of guys who be like, well, I need some more NIL money or I'm bouncing. If anyone has the balls to walk into Mike's office and say that, I'd like to, one, I'd like to have the raw confidence they do. And number two, I can tell you what the answer would be like, all right, see you, pal. <laughs> Here's your paper. Yeah. Um, like, do whatever you need to do. So this is going to be a very testing offseason. This is going to test uh, their ability. And no one likes to talk about it from this standpoint. 
but I don't really have to dance around it. It's going to test their ability to quote unquote tamper kind of wade in that gray area, you know, yeah. Do what everybody um, well, else is doing. And I know never, never, no one likes to think of it like they that way or talk about it in that sense, but this is going to test this coaching staff who like everyone else has been doing it a certain way for a long time. And somewhat unlike most of the other programs didn't have to do it this past off season a ton. Cause they were preoccupied with, you know, the whole winning a national title thing and bringing a decent amount of people back. This is going to kind of and, test and, their prowess of like, being able to play the game. I'd like to say one more thing. Um, those guys were doing um, at this time last year, um, they were trying to keep their jobs. So they weren't overly worried. I mean, this mean, I'm not saying it, like I, I blame them, but if I'm, you know, Clement this time last year, am I really worried about the transfer portal? Because we lose two games down here in Miami. Guess where I'm not going to be next year? You know what I mean? Um, so that it looked different from that dynamic as well. You're exactly right. I mean, Chase has that that excerpt in his book um, that I think is very, which articulates how talented he is in being able to put that together. But he has that anecdote where they're leaving Arkansas. I think it was Clem and. Maybe laugh. I, I don't remember yeah. exactly who the yeah, other guy was. was. They're driving home through Arkansas, and you know, I think one of them asked the other, "Like, hey, are we in trouble?" Like, they're going recruiting. They weren't going home directly. They were going, I believe, to go do some recruiting. And they're kind of looking at each other, like, you know, is this a futile mission? Like, what do we have going on here? I think Mike talked to them a couple of days later, and like, look, I get it. You guys have to look out yourselves, look out for yourselves, but try to remain professional. But I, I just mentioned all of that to underscore exactly what you're talking about. That, that wasn't the top of mind concern. I don't think with everything they had going on at this very moment last year, I don't think a whole lot of it was, man, what portal additions are we going to get? It was like, you know, am I going to work here next year? Yeah. So I can't really blame them. You don't really get to blame them for, uh, you know, not uh, killing the portal when they're worried about, you know, where am I going to coach in 2023? So hopefully with all that behind them this year, um, you know, hopefully they do a uh, a much, much better job. Real quick, um, you know, I, I, I don't I, – I just want to say this, um, and we can get right back on Ole Miss. Um, Tennessee, 8.6 runs at home, 4.5 runs on the road in SEC play. Uh, four runs worth of difference. Just, just want to point, point that out. We can get back to Ole Miss now, but just four runs worth of difference. I, again, no insight. That's crazy. Have you been doing math while podcasting? How many times have I, I warned you about that? I, I did do some math while while podcasting. So this a multi talented uh, guy for here. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. That's just all I'll say is hmm. Crazy. That is crazy. Uh, hit us I, in if, the ballpark. I will say this, and like I know we're being, you know cryptic or whatever. I, I genuinely have no knowledge of anything going on. I'm just simply saying, like, when you, if somebody told me that a team is averaging four more runs on the road than at home, like, or at, at home than on the road, like, my mind just goes, well, what the hell's going on at home? Like, again, I have no knowledge of anything, but I was, somebody made me aware of those stats today, like, or, or a couple weeks ago. It's like, they're absurd at home. And maybe it's just because they recruited so well to that ballpark and you can hit home runs out of that ballpark. But I just feel like four runs is a lot. Jesus. It is. Could be homesickness. You know, they're targets everywhere they go. Um, <laughs> so could be that or it could be something else. Again, who knows? And I don't really have anything else to add to the Ole Miss roster rebuilding part of it. We've covered this for the last month of this podcast out of necessity because, you know, the season didn't really matter at that point. But I'll sure. just add one last note is, you know, it gets lost in the whole story of the 2022 team is even on this day last year, 
that wasn't this team's like the staff's main focus. The fact that they made a regional, if you remember at this time last year, it just really in realistic standpoint felt like delaying the inevitable. I remember us doing the podcast and the general thing being like, ah, okay, we'll see what happens. At least they gave themselves a shot, but it's not like, okay, disaster averted them getting in this day a year ago. No, no. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, you may, I don't think you will. If, if they don't win that regional last year, um, they, they were going to have a new coaching staff, right? Yes. Um, I think the super regional people talk about that one. I have a hard time believing they, they have a new coaching staff that they make another super regional, but people disagree with me, that's fine. Um, but I'm, yeah, well, I think we're both pretty confident. They don't win three games in Miami last year. They, they, uh, they were, they were going to have a new staff. I went back the other night and I never do this and I don't really know why I did it. I was like super bored and a buddy of mine had brought up something. I think we were talking college baseball after Ole Miss beat Arkansas last year on Monday or Tuesday night to go to two and Oh, and Omaha. Do you remember how we opened the podcast? Just crip like dying laughing. Cause I did this too. That is correct. We just laughed for about 45 <laughs> seconds. And I think we got a decent bit of traction out of that because I remember having a couple people message me. What a just a, you know, 11 months or 10 and a half months later, just what a weird place to be now versus there because we are just laughing about it. Dude, you, you said something on that podcast that night that I agreed with was it was just so funny. It was like, hey, like if you're betting on someone to win the national title, who are you betting on? And we were both like, oh, miss. <laughs> Call us homers, call us whatever you want to call it. But that that's just crazy at that point how well that team was playing. We I remember about 10 minutes in that pod because I went back and listened to it. We were like, hey, look, all this aside and everything we talk about aside, if you're just wagering on one team to win the whole thing, we both said, I know Oklahoma's playing well on the other side of the bracket, but I'm taking Ole Miss. How prophetic did that prove to be? Now, granted, not a ton had to play out after that, but still. Well, here's my favorite part. I was with some buddies at auction this weekend. It went to Oklahoma. And um we're sitting there talking, and it's like, yeah, when they beat Arkansas in the Delusia game, everybody came up, and they just knew that Ole Miss was going to win the College World Series. Like, first of all, Ole Miss fans never think like that. Second of all, you look over at Oklahoma, and they're throwing Jake Bennett. They've got their pitching set up, and Jake Bennett, who's like a third-round lefty, and Ole Miss doesn't ever hit lefties, he's throwing game one. And then they're going to throw the number seven overall pick in game two. And Ole Miss is going to throw Jack Doherty and uh, stringy-haired kid uh, – or uh, uh, I was thinking Nikhazy, but they're, uh, for some reason I think Nikhazy was still on the team. But they're they're throwing Elliott in game two, and Elliott has been really good, but he's still a freshman. Um, and you're like, yeah, Ole Miss probably still going to win. Whatever. I don't care. They're throwing first-round pick. It's whatever. Ole Miss probably going to win in two games. It's like, what? That's how absurd that run was. All Miss fans actually started to think they were going to win. Yeah, and, and in total fairness, the, you know, the, the again, I just have this podcast fresh on my memory. Uh, if you're, you know, I, it was funny listening back to us talk almost a year ago. I could not have told you off the top of my head a single word that we said. I, I probably <laughs> couldn't tell you a ton that we from a podcast we did a month ago. But it was <laughs> funny was the way we framed it. They were 2-0 and at the time. And assuming they had won the first game against Arkansas the next time they faced them, yeah. it was a, well, who's beating Hunter Elliott and Dylan DeLucia? And really the only thing, despite still thinking Ole Miss was going to win the national title, the only thing that gave either of us later on in that Thursday or Friday show a small amount of pause 
was just the whole Delusia to Elliot in game one and game two got broken up because they had to play the extra game. That was the only thing yeah. that gave anyone any sort of reservation. And I guess what we didn't account for was one that Jack Doherty was pretty awesome through five innings and that stadium just took over the ballpark. Remember the, the kid, who's the shortstop for uh, the, uh, uh God, I, ca- I cannot remember his name, but he, he was good. He remember really he booted good. a baseball in that second inning. And I remember putting yeah. out on Twitter or something dumb that night that was like, Look, I'm not the biggest guy into the whole environment thing, but I swear to God, the fact that 20,000 Ole Miss fans were there probably equated to that because that place was raucous. And they did the whole dumb thing about saying, like, it didn't bother them. Like, buddy, did you watch you play? There's the, like, but the whole thing with that, that was never believable because, like, you know, we played on the road. We played in other places this year. I was like, dude, I, you know, I covered games at Swayze Field for years. I've God. been to Alex Box. I've been to, you know, Mississippi State, uh, whatever, whatever, Duty Noble. I've been to uh, Bomb Walker. Uh, that was that was unlike anything. Mike Mike Bianco himself said it sounded like a football stadium. Even he was not accustomed to it. But it didn't Dude. affect Oklahoma. Like, mm, missed me with that one, bro. Oklahoma struck out. Okay, so the kid's name was Peyton Graham. Oklahoma yeah, struck exactly out fifteen times that night. Against Dude. Jack Doherty and whoever That's, else that Mallets and whoever else came in that N- night. N- Nichols Nichol. struck out five in two innings. That's only one out he didn't record via strikeout. Yeah, but it didn't affect him at all. I mean, Mike's not a guy who ever mentions like, man, that environment was nuts. I mean, he's always great thanking the fans for showing up. But that night that he – I'm pretty sure he got he, – he mentioned it without like getting prompted with the direct question was like, you know – that back-to-back home runs, you know, that sounded a lot like an SEC football game. I've never heard him really talk like that. Um, the Oklahoma Sooners had, yes, the crowd was insane, and and that's where I wondered um, too. Like, um, when you know Oklahoma gets into this league, are they going to be like Missouri coming into baseball, or how how's that going to work? Um, because you know the Oklahoma played for a national title and brought like sixty-two fans, so. Um, I always not, saw the not, story not. of trying to find tickets the first night and being like, what Ole Miss, what dugout is Ole Miss in? Because I'd like to get on the correct side, not be surrounded by Oklahoma fans. And then, of course, after game one, I had not bought tickets for game two yet. But, of course, quickly upon entering the stadium after game one, I was like, there is no Ole Miss side. Yeah. Pick a section. It's, it's the stadium. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Charles had, Schwab Field. That is the Ole Miss section. Ole Miss had, or excuse me, Oklahoma had eight hits in 18 innings. Is that bad? Not great. It's less than one every two innings. Um, well, Ole Miss won the national title that day. And I know this is cliche and everybody says, Ole Miss won the national title against Arkansas that day. Yeah. They Arkansas would have kicked Oklahoma in the teeth as well. Which is crazy because you think about how got close they got in 18 or whatever that was with the shaddy fly ball. I mean. Oh, yeah, it's an absolute shame. I hate that for them. I know this is the ultimate sport of what ifs, but like. Arkansas insufferability of their internet faction, their fans aside, I have a decent amount of respect for Dave Van Horn. That that sure. has to eat at him a ton. Oh, absolutely. Um, Arkansas's got a pretty tough regional as well this, this year. Um, I know they play Santa Clara, who's not a four seed. You just are excited to play. Um, and then TCU uh, in Arizona? Like, geez, that's not a great draw for being the number three overall seed. I got TCU in Arizona in my regional. Another terrific segue. This should just be the Colin Brister writes podcast. <laughs> um, that's exactly what I wanted to get into next. Let's just dive into the 2023 NCAA tournament bracket. Obviously weird that it's not Ole Miss, but yeah. what did you make of the selection show today? I know there's a couple hot button topics that I want to get to in a minute about who didn't get in the hosting and all of that. 
But what did you make of the bracket as a whole? To me, it kind of made sense. I know there was a lot of clamoring for Boston College, and I'd be lying with a, you know the amount of college baseball I've watched this year with Ole Miss being out of it has been significantly less. Probably some life stuff that goes with that as well. But I, the more and more I dug into it, I kind of understood Boston College's gripe to a degree. But with that withstanding, I'll just kick it to you. What did you think of the bracket and the way they went about it as a whole? All right. So, so just my opinion. If you're going to have RPI as a metric, you have to use it. I know everybody's like – especially on the West Coast, is pissed off. And let me be – I want to be clear on something. The West Coast has absolutely has a gripe about their RPI can't it can't be as high as, as Southeastern teams, and and I get that, and, and I have empathy towards that. I get that. But if you're going to have the metric and you don't have another metric, you have to use the metric. Um, Cohen so, said this today. We need to find a better way. Absolutely. But you don't have it right now, so everybody's getting pissed off the committee. What do you want them to do? Like you, they have a number. They have they have what essentially they use as net in college basketball. You got to use it. Figure out something better. I, I completely understand if the West Coast gets screwed by this. I get it, but and it's a math thing, and I'm not getting into all that. But I, you got to use it. So I thought they did a good job. I really did. There wasn't, quite frankly, there wasn't a a, a massive snub. I think USC. I would have probably preferred they be in. Um, but other than that, like I, I didn't have many problems, if any, at all. Um, you know, I, I was I was completely fine with with pretty much everything. Um, I thought they got the the seed lines correct. I thought they had the correct twos and threes. As long as you do that, um, it doesn't really matter where teams go because you know they're two or a three seed. Um, so I, I thought they did a really good job. And, and there's been years last year I didn't think they did a very good job. Um, you know, uh, and there, there was a year that TCU got in, and I don't know how. Um, over Mizzou, think, talk about yeah, the and, alter, altering the kind of trajectory of the bees, uh, bees, yeah. however you say it at Mizzou. Remember, that was over Mizzou, yeah, in 2019. I, I thought they did a good job. I was, I was, I was happy with the committee today. And that's um, what no, I, I will say this. That, Oh, I was ahead. just going to say, do you think they, they went strictly based off RPI because they want somebody to say, okay, we're uh, enough of this. We have to do something. Because until you really force somebody's hand, they, you know, the committee is not the one that deals that, that makes the metrics. They're just the ones that are giving them and are told how to, how to implement them. You think they just said, okay, I'm, I'm sick of using RPI. We're going to go strictly off RPI. So we piss off enough people to actually do something. Yeah, so sidebar to the sidebar, because I want to get into something else in a second, but I, let's just go there for the for quick time being. I, I do. I agree. And I think the, the the couple small instances where maybe RPI wasn't the core metric, they had good reason to. But I, I do think there's something to what you're talking about. They just went with RPI because what else are you going to do? I'll ask you this, and you know a hell of a lot more about this than I do. The College Baseball Selection Committee, I always wonder this to some degree with college basketball too. And I'm not, I'm not trying to insinuate that they are not knowledgeable, that they don't do their homework or any of that. I promise. But college baseball is still such a weird sport in terms of it kind of becoming mainstream-ish amongst college sports fans, particularly in the Southeast. How much college baseball from 
East Coast to West Coast, do you think the committee is actually able to watch? Because there are so many teams and there are so many games. It's again, I guess the way to put it is it's not me faulting them if they didn't see a ton of UC Irvine. I know it was a team that had a gripe today. Like, I, like, do you put any stock into the fact that, hey, they just don't see a ton of these teams with the eye test metric? And how oh, do you yeah. eye test it in baseball? Uh, and, and that's a really good point. No, there's there's no doubt about that. Um, because, you know, with, with college basketball, at least it's more mainstream and you can see a lot more. I'm not sure you can watch a ton of these teams. And quite frankly, I don't know how much um, you, you could even tell if you were able to watch. Um, and I'm actually counting something right now. Okay, so for everybody that, get, that gets mad at me when I say the West Coast gets screwed with an RPF from the RPI. Um, all right, so top 150 teams, um, and I, I'm – I'm pretty sure I've got this right. Top 150 RPI teams that are in the West that are not in the Pac-12. So, so we're talking about not Pac-12 teams because obviously them getting to play each other inflates uh, their RPI. Um, would you like to guess how many teams from the West Coast are in the top 50, 150, 150 RPI that is not uh, in the Pac-12? Oh, man. Uh, nine? Ten. Okay. That's that's that you can't you can't get non-conference wins in the midweek if you don't play those ten teams and good luck each year guessing who those ten teams are. So so what happens is you wind up playing because you only have some years ten options, um, and sometimes those teams you can't even play in the midweek. Like you know a team in Northern California is not going to be able to play Grand Canyon or whatever because that's one of the ten teams, or maybe you know San Diego can't drop to where. San Diego State or San Diego can't drive to wherever. Um, so some of those teams may of those team teams may not even be options either. There, the reality is those those like I'm trying to think uh, the South Alabamas, right, or the UL Lafayette, or even the UL Monroes. Those don't exist out west, so you can't get those wins against decent teams in the midweek. Therefore, your RPI is going to take a massive, massive hit. Um, so we've got to do something. I don't know if you like the formula a little different for out west. I have no idea, but I, I do know it's completely unfair uh, the way the RPI is done. Um, and, and I know if you're an SEC fan, and look, I'm a, I'm, I'm an Ole Miss fan. I, I'm completely fine with the RPI because it helps my team out when they're uh, good. Uh, but the reality is, it it does not it does not do any favors, and it is not fair to the teams out west. That's just the reality of the situation. You're right. And it's one of those things where it's it's a problem without a clear solution. And the main thing I wanted to get to kind of after the West Coast thing is, you know, you mentioned, you know, are they just going off RPI because there's no better metric? And it's like, hey, we're just going to do this until someone finds one. I'll ask you, and I know this is an impossible question, so I just preface it with that. But I mean, when we first started doing this podcast, or even before that, you would project the field to 64 almost at like a Lenardi type rate. I mean, there's probably no better person to ask. And I mean that in all sincerity than you, because I mean, you, you, I mean, you're a big spreadsheet guy, started making your own brackets. I remember when I didn't know you that well, I was like, holy shit, what's wrong with this kid? Like, what is, <laughs> does he have anything else to do? Is he going to start his own website? What's going on? You're on top of it as anyone. What is the metric? What would you do? Do you have any um, thoughts? Do you have any ideas? So, so, and I don't know this formula. I don't, I don't know what the formula looks like. There is a, there's a metric called ELO 
ELO that I think I like a lot better just looking because I again I don't know the how the formula works. I've I've got a little bit of an idea. Um I heard Kyle Peterson talking about it one day um on a broadcast. I went and kind of looked into it. I, I think it does a much, much better job of actually ranking teams. Now it's still not great for the West Coast, but it's a lot better. Like you see Irvine's 37 um in this and 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 it would not be 37 in the RPI. Like Cal State Northridge is 48. Santa Clara is 50. Um, I can't – I know a little bit. I can't exactly tell you how the math works for it, but I, I think that's a good starting point if you can just maybe do some different things with that or interpret that data or, or – um, not interpret, but if you can include that data and, and yeah. whatever um, ranking you're wanting to have. You, you got to do something different. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, what that is, but there, 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 there's formulas out there. There's metrics out there. There's people a lot smarter than me. Um, that can that can do things um, we can do better than RPI for college baseball. Um, we're we're past the point of RPI needing to be um, the metric we use, and maybe you still use it some, but I think um, strictly strictly relying on it. And I'm not blaming the committee here because you have the metric, you have to use it. Uh, but I think if we're trying to get the best 64 teams in our tournament, or I guess I should say the you know the 32 at large best 32 at large teams in our tournament, I think it's silly that we're still using RPI in 2023. And I guess the optimist in me would look at it from some from a large scale view of the standpoint of and I, I go back and forth on this a lot of the times because we're very embedded in kind of the college baseball Internet ecosystem, the college baseball Internet world. But the fact that this is now becoming and maybe it's just the fact that we have the ability to see so many different people's opinions and see the gripes of it. But in some ways, do you think this is a decent problem to have? And it's indicative of the growth and popularity of college baseball, not just in the southeast. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. Um Look, I'm not a grow the game guy. I, I don't know how much you can grow it. And I don't really want, you know, you know, as mentioned today on the broadcast, I don't really want like stipulations and that, hey, we've got to take so many teams from here. We've got to put a regional here or whatever. I don't want that. I want a fair grading system where we give the best teams the best, the, the opportunity, or excuse me, where we give the best teams um, what that is worth. I, I think we need to create a, a, a formula and a metric that we that we everybody understands everybody's playing on a, a fair playing field and i get you know for some northern teams or no nothing's ever going to be fair and i get that and, and and i have empathy for that but um we've got to do something that that everybody understands and everybody can create their own um schedules because you know that's the reality of our situation right now that you couldn't just go to something this year after the year started because you've got teams that have already made schedules um, so we, we, we got to do something. We got to do something fast because obviously teams are in the schedule making process. And I would, I'll be honest, I don't want RPI to be the crutch that it was this year in the 2024 selection process. Yeah. And the last thought on this too, is like the, we keep mentioning like not blaming the committee and it's exactly right. And it's worth mentioning though, the only time it's worth blaming the committee and the example that I'll use is the one that you used earlier. And I can't remember which year it was. I want to say it was maybe 2019 because I was still at super talk. And if I remember correctly, this was the first year we did the pod together in its current iteration or previous iteration, I should say, because I had Aaron fit on, I think the Tuesday after you and I talked on a Sunday, Aaron fit probably the, one of the nicest human beings I've ever met, not like media aside, like never has a bad word to say anything about anybody. The only time it's worth getting on the committee was that example that you used earlier where TCU gets in over uh, Missouri that year where Missouri absolutely deserved it. 
And even Aaron Fit, when I had him on our show, I think he went on Super Talk after that and was like, look, let's call this what it is. Who's the coach at TCU? Jim Sloshnagel. Clearly not the case now. He's at A&M. But who's friends with a lot of dudes on the committee? And he just basically left it at that. That was his answer. Oh, no, and that's no, when I no, was no. like, okay, this was a screw no. job. But outside of no, that, what you it, can't blame the committee. What it was was uh, Del Conte was used to be the AD at TCU, but had gone to Texas, was his best friend, and in his wedding and got his team in the regional. That's right. That's why, that, that's why he was able to – and I wondered about this today. Random question. Um, he, he, he had gone from TCU to Texas. Can John Cohen – I know this is a dumb question. I don't know if you watched the selection show. He talked about not being able to talk about Auburn while he was in the room. And, and maybe this is dumb, but I, I think it's a fair question. Can he discuss Mississippi State? Can you discuss your alma mater? Because I don't think that's probably fair either. Maybe from both sides. Like, I don't think that's fair to John Cohen or to anybody else. And you know what I mean? Beyond the alma mater, just the place he previously worked, he hired the coach yeah. at Mississippi State. Yeah, or – or. And I know this didn't happen. What if he got fired from Mississippi State and it's like, oh, well, screw yeah. them. I'm you know what I mean? And it was an so ugly feel, breakup. Yeah. So I feel like if you've ever worked somewhere, you probably shouldn't be able to discuss them or maybe in the last five years because – and that's a that's another conundrum. I mean, those guys are human beings as well that, that, that have, you know um, – and I'm not saying John Cohen does. I'm, I'm just saying that the people that are, that are in the room are, are human beings and have feelings and, and, and uh, agendas as well. The last note I wanted to get to, and probably my favorite one, because I think you feel the same way. The last note I wanted to get to on the selection committee, maybe before we make a little bit of picks and then uh, a couple random updates when we get out of here, is the griping about the host sites. Yeah. So there's this whole, and it's not even a West Coast thing. Now, some of it's West Coast, I would say, driven, but not all of it is you've seen a lot of people that cover college baseball or fans of that school or whatever it is that are mad that eight SEC teams went to host. And I remember years over years from 14 or 15, the first year I started doing it all the way up till 19, Mike would make the same speech, whether they were on the borderline or not at the end of Hoover, he would just be like, look, we need the 16 best teams hosting. I don't care if 15 of them are out of the same conference. And I know that's easy for him to say being in the SEC or there are 16 different conferences, and I know that would never happen, but you get my point. There's this griping every year now about the amount of SEC host sites, and for the life of me, while I understand the gripe at the lower level of it in terms of at-large bids and who gets overlooked, the UC Irvines of the world and all of that, I'm completely on the polar opposite side of the hosting category. I don't know what people want. I, again, I can hear an argument for Boston College but I also don't want to hear about how there's too many SEC host teams. Like if you looked at the complexion of this sport and who ultimately decides it over the last 10 years, like what are we talking about here? I'll let kick it to you, but I do have some numbers because I'm a big statistician guy, but I know you fall on the same line as me, but I just, I don't understand that. Yeah. I don't know. Look, it's the, here's the the thing. We need the best 16 teams hosting regionals uh, because the reality, here's reality. Um, most of the time you're going to have six or seven from the SEC, and if we actually want to grow the game of baseball, we need environments like we're going to have it at Fayetteville, like we're going to have in Baton Rouge, like we always have in Oxford and in Starkville. Um, you know, we need those environments. Um, so, no, I, look, I, I like rewarding people that invest in college baseball and, and Arkansas and LSU and Ole Miss and State and Texas A&M. 
um, in Florida with that new stadium have invested in college baseball. And I think Tennessee, we as much as we hate them, it is cool yeah, that they sure. care now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, no, I, I, I let the best 16 teams host. I don't need a freaking geographical host site. Um, quite frankly, I was going to be very upset if if South Carolina did not – not upset, but I, I would have thought it was a screw job if South Carolina didn't host and you let a school like Indiana State host. Uh, they went two and nine against the top 50. Frankly, I thought Southern probably should have hosted over them. Um, so, I was so surprised Southern didn't host too. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think Southern probably should host over, you know, uh, South Carolina or anything, but I was, I was, I thought they should have over Indiana State. Um, well, yeah. I mean, so you had Shotgun Spratling, who seems like a nice guy. I was an intern there for a semester and I'd never met him in person, but, you know, dealt with him in passing, seems like a nice guy, but he was stumping with the whole, well, look at what South Carolina did the second half of the season. They went X amount of games under 500, but of course they the get first half like, Dude, do you know who they're playing week in and week out? But the first half happened. And that, that, that exactly. Yes. Me. That's a great way to put it. That, that stuff annoys me. The second, okay. The, they, all right. You play a football game and you go up 42 to nothing at halftime and the other team outscores you 35 to six in the second half. Do you still win the game? It's the antithesis of the argument for the little guy. You don't want subjective measures, so why are you going off the subjective measure of who's playing well late? It's a body of work for a reason. I went two and nine against the top 50. How do you host with two top 50 wins? I want to see what these top 50 wins are now. Um, I, I don't know. I get it. They had a nine RPI. They did what they were supposed to do. I'm I'm, I'm fine with them hosting. I don't want the, I don't want it to sound like I'm I'm mad that they're hosting because they let South Carolina host, and I'm fine with that. Um, I thought Southern probably should have been in over Indiana State, but that's whatever. They went off RPI, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, but let's 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 calm down on uh, some of the so the the let's give the little guy a break stuff. I'm kind of tired of that. So one of their top fifty wins is Indiana. Good for them. Um, oh, they beat Vandy in a midweek. They beat Indiana and Vandy in midweek. That's another thing that's starting to I actually watch that Vandy Indiana State game. It was kind of electric. Remember that was the it was an extra inning games where no one could score. And what's crazy is when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Nah, 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 nah. That was that was like Lipscomb or something. This was ten to two Van, or this was a ten to two win for them. Oh, that's right. You're right. I screwed that up. That is not who that was. Sorry. I'm that was uh yeah, that was the week but, where they played Ole Miss is why I watched Yeah, it. yeah. Exactly but I, I'm tired of midweeks counting the same as, as weekends. That That's getting annoying to me. Okay, but for the little guy, shouldn't that actually count? Because that's their only opportunity. I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit. But, like, uh, I'm with you on the – I'm tired of hearing it from the little guy from a hosting standpoint. But the on the bottom end, in terms of, of getting in, that's probably what saves them a little bit, No. Sure, but my argument to Indiana State would be don't go 0-6 versus Northeastern and Kentucky. That's five top 50 or six top 50 games right there that you played on the weekends and you went 0-6 in. Um, Totally fair. So, And they lost a midweek to Miami. Wow. I guess they went to Miami to play. Um, Yeah, no, I don't know. I. Look, I'm pro big guy. I'm not gonna lie. College baseball. I'm, I I root for the. I don't root for the SEC. Let me be very clear. I I want the best teams in college baseball to be in the tournament. I don't care. And I know this sounds harsh. I don't care that the that the little guy maybe gets a screw job. Uh, I I I'm not gonna break my heart tonight that UC Irvine didn't get in. 
Um, so, you know what would have kind of made me mad if NC State had gotten left out and, and UC Irvine had gotten put in. And, and again, I understand I've talked about the West Coast RPI and, and I get all that. But I, I am pro put the best teams in the tournament. I don't really care about your geographical um, from a scheduling standpoint. I, I don't really care that, like, you know, you you only have two top 50 wins or whatever. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I think the best way to grow college baseball is to put the best teams in the tournament. I know that's a bold take. Yeah, but real bold. But at the same time, again, I'm about to throw you a couple of numbers to wrap up this segment that will probably kill this argument for good. But at the same time, when this sucker kicks off on Friday night, and I flip on Indiana State, Wright State, or Iowa, North Carolina, who's the 2-3 in that regional matchup, I'll sit there and be like, hey, this is pretty cool that Indiana State gets to host a regional on its campus. Like, this is good for college sure. baseball, but miss me with the whining in the process. Is that is that a fair way to yeah, look at it? no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Georgia State last year, I believe, or Georgia Southern, whoever it was, I was completely fine with that. I thought they had done a good job. Georgia Southern, I think it was. And, and, and I thought they did a good job scheduling. I was good with that. Um, and in Indiana state, again, I'm not upset at them. Like, you know, whatever they, they figured out a way to finish ninth at RPI. That's the, good for them. They did their job. I just, yeah. Like you said, I'm, I'm kind of tired of the whining and stumping for the little guy in college baseball. All right. You ready for these numbers? 2017 sure. on, I went super regional round on. Do you know how many SEC teams <clears throat> were in the 2017 super regionals? Ooh. Um, all right. All right. I know one, um, I know two because they played each other, Mississippi State and LSU. Correct. I know. I know Ole Miss was not. I know A and M. This I'm going to get this right. This this is I shouldn't get this right. This should show you I have problems. I know A and M beat Dayton in the 2017 Super Regionals to go to the College World Series. Um, I know Auburn lost to. Oh God, Auburn got there. I think, or maybe they didn't. Um, Auburn may not have gotten there. Alabama was not there. Um, and then Ole Miss obviously was not there. So that's three from the West. Um, Florida won the national title that year, so that's four. Um, I'm not sure on Vandy. Kentucky was in it, so I'm going to go five. They played Louisville. Um, Georgia was not. Tennessee was not. Missouri was not. South Carolina, no, that was the year Holbrook got fired. So I'm going to go five. It's six. You are a six. The only error you had was Vandy was in it. Vandy. And then Texas A&M's thing was Davidson, which is probably what Davidson. you to say. Yeah, yeah. Davidson was a fourth seed. Yeah. I don't even know if, if, if Dayton plays baseball. You're exactly right. Dayton was a great story. Um, but you're exactly right. Six teams. State yeah. and uh, LSU played each other. Three went yeah. to Omaha, and we had an all-SEC national title. Hmm. Yeah. Ready for yeah. 2018. How many – SEC teams made the 2018 Super Regional round. I can tell you one that did not. You, yeah, that's unfortunate. Trouble. And <laughs> I can tell you, one, I can tell you one non-SEC team that, that did from Tennessee that was not Tennessee. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. So actually, Mississippi State actually played Vandy in those Super Regionals. So you let me correct. actually just let me pull up an actual list of SEC teams because I can probably tell you where they finished, and that's that's probably the saddest thing I've ever stated. Um, but if I just have all the list of all the teams, I could probably figure out where they what they did in 2018. Well, all this right, was a so, crazy year for the SEC, by the way. All right, Arkansas. I don't believe made one. Um, LSU. I, I'm 
Arkansas did? Yes. Oh, wow. Who'd they play? South Carolina. Oh, that's right. They freaking played for the national title. I'm an idiot. They, they went to game three. Um, did LSU? I don't think they did. Did not. That, that was not a good LSU team. Auburn did. They went to three games against Florida. Alabama did not. Texas A&M did well, not. That already answers it. What? Think about it. The three matchups you just talked about. Yeah. Uh, Auburn, Florida, uh, Arkansas, South – oh, there was three all-SEC Super Regionals? That's that is correct. Dumb. Six made the Super Regional round, and they all played each other. Oh, that's really dumb. And then three made the College World Series because that's how math works. And Oregon State, the last non-SEC national title winner in recent memory, beat Arkansas, Carson Chatty, five ball. You ready for 2019? Thanks. How many Thanks. SEC teams made the Super Regional? All right, Arkansas and Ole Miss, obviously. Um, LSU played Florida State. Auburn played North Carolina. Um, Texas A&M did not. Mississippi State played Stanford. Florida? I don't think Florida did. Um, Vandy, I know. Vandy beat Duke because Kumar threw a one-hitter. You named um, all six. Or, or no-hitter. Okay, yeah. that's Yeah, okay. You, you rolled through that one. <laughs> So it was again six in 2019, and four SEC teams made Omaha. Four of the eight. And then 19's title was how can I not freaking remember the title series in this? Oh, it was Vandy, Michigan. Vandy. You're correct. 2020 COVID happened. Ole Miss actually won the national title without any sort That's of a good point. So congrats to them. They repeated two years later. How about 2021? How many teams would you guess in the Super Regional round made – right. uh, excuse me, how many t- SEC teams made the Super Regional round? All right, Arkansas lost to NC State. Um, LSU lost to, I believe, Tennessee. Um, pretty sure that's right. Um, Auburn 2021 was terrible, so no. Um, Alabama, no. Texas A&M, no. Mississippi State um, 2021, they beat – Somebody, I know they did. Oh, Notre Dame, because they won the national title. Ole Miss lost to Arizona. Um, Florida, Florida did not get out of the regional that year. Correct. Um, Vandy, I don't think Vandy was very good that year. I think that was a down year for Vandy. South Carolina was terrible. Um, Tennessee beat LSU. I think that's it. So you missed the one. Vandy did, in fact, make it and oh. went to the uh, went to college. They played state. Jesus ECU. Christ, yeah. No, no, ECU. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm sorry. They played state in the national title. That is correct. Vandy State in yeah. 2021. So that is six teams that made the Super Regional and four in Omaha. Are you ready for 2022? Yeah. Um, if I don't get I, I probably will still screw these up. Arkansas beat North Carolina. LSU did not make it. They put out by Southern Miss. Auburn obviously made it. Um, they beat who did Auburn beat in the Super regional last year. Oh, Oregon State. Um, Texas AM obviously made it. Mississippi State did not. Ole Miss made it, beat Southern. Um, Florida did not. Vandy did not. South Carolina did not. Tennessee did. I think that's it. You nailed it again. It was a down year for the SEC. Only five made the super regional round, but four <laughs> made Omaha. Texas AM, yeah. Auburn, Ole Miss. And Arkansas. So and, and 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 I don't the best team of those five is the one that got beat. That is correct. 
uh, by Notre Dame, which was a happy moment for us on this thank, podcast. Thank I remember God. I was playing Dallas Golf Club at Dallas on the 17th hole when that kid from Notre Dame hit the go-ahead home run in the seventh, and I'm watching it on my phone. And one of the guys I was playing with was a college baseball guy. The other two were not in the slightest. And I was like, holy shit, this is happening. So we're like <laughs> watching it the last two holes. The other guys are like, hey, can you hurry up? Like, what, what's going no. on? There? <laughs> it's like, no, I can't. I say all of that to, to just point out, to put this argument to bed, from 17 on, and I could have gone back further probably and gotten even better results. Super regional round is six, 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 five. Omaha results are three, three, four, four, four. The last three years, there's been a College World Series played. Half of the uh, College World Series has been comprised by SEC teams, but we should put a cap on the amount of host sites they get. Riddle me that. Um, and I would like to point out that they often they, – they did it again this year. They often uh, put SEC teams against each other in Super Regionals, or it would be more in Omaha. They Especially do that. To prevent so, the fact of seven of eight. <laughs> yes. Um, that's why – because they don't want freaking Hoover taking place in um, – and and Omaha, um, if you went but back, there should 20- be less SEC host. Apparently, yes, yes, there should absolutely be less SEC host because people's feelings get hurt. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I don't have any patience for that. That's dumb. It's very dumb. Um, so, but yeah, it's not even uh, an hopefully- SEC thing. If the ACC was clearly the best baseball conference, I wouldn't care if they got ten hosts. No, the ACC got their the freaking one seed because they have the best team in the country. Oh, by the way, that's my pick to win a national title. I know the it's, I know the one seed never wins it. I'm I'm actually taking the Demon Deacons this year. Really? Um, yeah, they're they're salty, man. And and I think Clemson can win it too. Um, so it, no, like give the best teams the the spots they earn. That that's how it should work. You shouldn't be penalized because you care about baseball. Sue me. Right. Like I mean, the way to bring college baseball to a upper degree of non-regionality is to not make it a regional thing yeah yeah like, absolutely yeah so right. anyway that settles that argument we'll just roll through these regionals real quick for a couple random notes when we get out of here before i keep all you right. all night but uh we'll just roll through them real quick all right so we got the number one overall seed wake forest they are in the obviously winston-salem regional they get George Mason is their four, Maryland is their yeah. two, and Northeastern as the three. Any thoughts on that one, other than the fact that you love the Deeks? Um, they're going to win that regional pretty pretty easily, I think. Look. Does Maryland scare you at all? Buddy, did you see Maryland this year? I did. I saw them four times. Mm-hmm. What did they do three of those four times? They lost, but Savakul impressed me. He's not bad. I think if they they're they're gonna have to save him for Wake Forest, I would think. Problem is Northeastern's not bad either. Um, I would save so, Savakul for Wake because I watched seven innings of that kid throw behind home plate. I admittedly have not watched much of him other than a piece of his start in Minnesota since. Not a big Den baseball guy. He uh that kid's legit. Yeah, he's good. He's really good. Um, if they don't save him though, they got no prayer. So um, yeah, I'm taking the Deeks because they even if Sam Cole was to beat them on Saturday, trust me, Wake Forest got enough arms to get through it. They uh, they don't lack in uh, the arms department. They are paired with the Tuscaloosa Regional, whereas I saw some Alabama fans chiming in about college baseball for the first time since like 04, um, thinking that they were underseated a bit. Not sure I follow that one. A great story, that being said, the Crimson Tide baseball team itself, with all the adversity that they dealt with, which a piece of that we'll get to to close the show. The... Uh, 
Tuscaloosa Regional is Alabama. Nichols is their four. BC is the two. And the Troy Trojans is their three, which is a frisky Troy team that I've seen a couple times pop up and bite some folks. Any uh, thoughts um, on this regional? BC's good. Um, BC's really good. I'm trying to think. BC won the 2016 Oxford Regional, did they not? Yeah, 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 they did. Um, I don't really remember that regional. Um, besides the kid from Tulane hitting the ball 600 feet. Jake Rogers, who I believe yeah. caught a cup of coffee in the bigs. Great player and catcher. He did. I'm going to take Alabama. But I don't I don't be shocked if BC wins that because BC can play. How about Troy? I'm going to put all this uh, North Alabama on notice about the guys in the South. I think they're pretty oh. good. Okay. You're going Troy. Uh, let's keep it going down here. The nine overall seed, and I'm just going on the sides of the bracket. Miami, uh, Ole Miss did go to Miami last year. That did happen. I think we recall yeah. that. Do you remember that happening? Yeah, I do recall that. Uh, Reb, Reb's in three. Yeah, Peyton Chatagnier could play all of his games in South Florida. He would probably be the number one overall pick in the draft. A little probably feisty regional here, just based on name brand alone. Miami gets Maine as it's uh, four. Texas is the two, and ULL, who loves to be called Louisiana, which I won't acknowledge on this show, even though I just did, as the three. Uh, I like Miami a lot. I think Miami's actually like really good this year. So um, do I, and I don't think Texas is any good. The only way I could see it is if ULL just starts bashing the baseball and gets weird. Yeah, that could happen. Um, but, no, I I, uh, I really, really think Miami's going to win that one. Who's the – who's the, who are they matched with? Because that, that, that could be interesting. They're matched with the eight, Stanford. So Stanford gets uh, uh, San Jose State as their four. Texas A&M is their two, and Fullerton is their three. Oof, that's a that's a salty, that's a regional. spicy regional. They're a little West Coast flavor with the uh, Aggies. Yeah, that's that's an interesting regional. Uh, I think Stanford probably gets through it, but yeah, that's a that's an interesting regional without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so so that- that lends itself to the whole thing we talked about earlier. Like if, if A&M comes out of that regional, it's like, really, we should, we should give more credence to the West coast teams. I feel like that happens year after year. Yeah, no, that's fair. Fair point. Um, I'm trying to find, we, we don't have them yet. I don't guess, but there used to be like betting lines to get out of regionals. I wish I could find some of those. Um, Brad Bohannon, I hope you're not listening. Yeah, I hope he doesn't find those. Uh, I can get my guy Skybox to give you the best lines on that. We'll get back to you after All the show. Right. Five overall seed, the LSU Tigers, the overwhelming favorite to win the national title, who have proven to be a little bit of a toothless tiger, no pun intended, beyond um, Paul Skeens. They get Tulane as their four, which makes sense. I know everyone's like, oh, yeah. Tulane, frisky baseball program. No, they were like 18 and 40 and somehow won their conference tournament. Yeah, they're not good. Well, to Sting Ole Miss, uh, just even more, that's their first postseason appearance since 2016. And uh, unfortunately, most Ole Miss people remember what happened in 2016 to Tulane, or at least to, to Ole yeah. Miss. <laughs> and to Tulane. Oregon State is the two, and Sam Houston State is the three. Is uh, No, Dags took, o- Dags took over uh, ULL. Never mind, he's not still there. Anything to report from this? Um, say those, So those teams, again, you broke up on me for just a second. Tulane is the four, Oregon State is the two, and Sam Houston State as your three. I mean, it's Oregon State if anybody can get them. Um, I wouldn't want a West Coast team, I don't think, because that look, LSU's good, really good. Um, when Paul Skeens doesn't pitch, they're not elite. They're really good. They're not elite. I think they probably get out of this. I do. 
but I'm not going to be totally shocked if they have to play a game on Monday night either. Um, so that's 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 not an overly tough regional. I probably wouldn't want a West team in there uh, that I'm going to have to beat twice, but but because you you know they'll have arms, but I I think they get out of that. Um, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if they don't. As you mentioned, they're paired up with Kentucky, the 12 overall seed. You're Kentucky Wildcats, who you were in on before anyone else. I say as anyone else, as, as I have not listened to a single bit of college baseball content outside of this <laughs> podcast in quite a while. But they're the 12, and they're hosting, and they get Ball State as their four, West Virginia as their two, and the Hoosiers of Indiana as their three. I think UK rolls through that one. I think they do too, but uh, Ball State's got a dude. They got an ace. Um, and fun fact, you know who has the third uh, most wins in that regional? There's four teams. You know who's got the third most? West Kentucky. Virginia. Kentucky. Oh. The, uh, Indiana and West Virginia have more wins than Kentucky. Interesting. All right. I'm going to give real quick. Uh, how far do I want to go now? I'll go to here. All right. Which one of these are you taking? Wake Forest. All right. This is to win the national title. Wake Forest plus 500. LSU plus 800. Florida plus 900, Arkansas plus 1,000, Vandy 1,200, Virginia 1,300, Stanford 1,500, Tennessee 2,000, South Carolina 2,000, Clemson 2,500, Kentucky 3,000. Oklahoma LSU State. and Florida is my answer. LSU and Florida, I like both of them, but I tell you the one I'm going to take. Vanderbilt was would... the only one I was other considering, but go ahead. Clemson. Um, they've won like 17 games in a row. Um, that's plus 2,500. I would, if, if I still bet, I would, I, that's one I would take. Um, wait okay. plus 500. That's not enough value. I don't think I like LSU because they got one dude. Flor- Florida is the, the best value on the board, I think. Florida plus 900 is good value. I would not touch Arkansas with a 10 foot pole. I yeah, think, think Florida is the best value. I wouldn't touch Arkansas because of the injuries, but the reason I would take LSU is just the fact that that lineup goes bonkers against pitching that they – honestly, you're taking a step down in pitching until you get to Omaha. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, no. Um, I, th- I think I'm, I'm think I would take – I think Florida's got the best chance of anybody in the SEC to win it. Auburn, 13 overall seed. They get the nerds, Penn University, assuming that's the Ivy League uh, conference champions. They're four. Southern Miss in Scott Berry's last year. I feel like that's the uh, public for whatever public there is for this niche sport that we have. Kind of sexy pick as the two and Samford as the three. Any thoughts on this regional? Yeah. Um, you can't complain too much for Auburn because you're happy to be hosting, but tough regional. I think I'm going to take USM. I think, because um, I think they're the best team in that regional. Um, so, uh, Butch done a hell of a job, because I don't think Auburn's overly really talented. To say, this was a, uh, I think Auburn takes a step back this year. I know they willed their way to Omaha this year, but they take a step back. Guess what they're doing? Yeah, hosting a regional. Um, I don't Why think in God's name is anyone with a job opening from LSU <laughs> to if Jesus Christ had a baseball team? Why is their first call not Butch Thompson? If you're Georgia, like you at least make the call, right? What do you mean at least make the call? <laughs> like, I make the call five or six times. But I and I know what you mean by that. It was a loaded question. But if you're if you're Butch Thompson, no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but on paper, it should not be a no. On paper, no. it should be like, a, oh, yes, where do I sign? But it, that is not the case at all. I mean, 
again, we talked about Missouri not caring about baseball. The Georgia thing is bonkers to me. Like, yeah, that that job should be like one of the best in the country. But Georgia doesn't pay money, and they don't really care about winning. So it's not don't. even a fan thing. Auburn doesn't have a ton of fans, and neither does Georgia. No. But it's the fact that they don't give them any money. To Auburn's credit, we make fun of their cult mentality and all this other crap that we make fun of them for. At least they saw Butch was winning and was like, hey, we'll buy into this a little bit. They kept him here this long. Yeah, that's the thing that's kind of crazy to me is like nobody's came and taken him yet. Because I'm telling you, Ole Miss ever – That's a know, credit to Mike, Auburn in my opinion. Yeah, it is. But when Mike retires, uh, that's the first call I'm making. And then I'm making it again if he says no and I'm begging him to change his mind. Well, um, hold on. Are you ready for a crazy sidebar? What's that? Well, have you seen what Dan McDonald's been saying lately? Yeah. Um, oof. See, see, you think he's staying there? Or you think he's gone? Uh, oh, man. I thought I lost you. No, sorry. I uh, I paused myself on accident for a second. Look, I don't know the dynamics of it, and it doesn't seem like a Dan McDonald type job is coming open because it does seem like State is going to ride with Lamonas for another year. Is that kind of the sense you get? Yes, I don't expect any change there. So it doesn't seem like any other kind of job is opening, but in any other year, I'd tell you, no, man. I mean, when a guy that has the success that he's had and has built the program that he's built, when take it into any aspect of life, if you were the greatest college baseball coach, or excuse me, high school baseball coach in the history of Mississippi, let's just say you Mm -hmm. took over a program, Colin Brister wins six straight state championships. And I come up to interview you, Two years removed from your sixth straight one where you guys have gotten bounced in the playoffs twice. And the first thing you tell me is, you know, I want to be here, but I want to be at a place that wants me. What would that tell you? What would <laughs> oh honestly, but I'm the one interviewing you. What message are you trying to send if you tell me that? Yeah, I'm 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 sick of things here. Um that is correct. Now, now I, I I will present the caveat. Maybe he did that and was then given reassurances that things would change at Louisville. I guess that could be possible. I don't think that's going to happen, but I guess it could be possible. Well, okay, that's totally fair. But to me, the things have deteriorated with him in Louisville since that Tom Jurich guy, who was their AD, I believe, yeah. left. Didn't he get caught up? Yeah. What the FBI thing? He left in 2017. It seems no, like things got... have deteriorated since he left about a half decade ago. My, my question to Dan, and, and I'm being genuine here, okay, like what? What? What are they not doing that Jurich did that provided you the ability to win? That that would be my question. Like, okay, I understand. Zodi like upgrade sounds almost plainly obvious. Okay, all right. Then if you're the AD and they just need to fill the upgrade, like just do it. I think that 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 shouldn't be overly complicated. Um, that well, it sounds like it been, is though. That, is the problem that facility sucks? Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> you and I it's remember when we both went there, and Mike gave me a noogie on the field. Yeah, yeah, that facility's god awful. They they, they let people they, into the games for free. They cannot host regionals and super regionals for much longer than that thing. I wouldn't think it's so got. They got to do something to that. We went there in 2019. Yes, about a year and a terrible. half into what seems to be a deteriorating situation. So you ask this: What more do you want to get? I don't read this as Dan McDonald being a prima donna by any stretch. No, of the I don't either. And honestly, and I don't have anything to back this up that is concrete. Um, but 
I would say I've heard – I'm trying to reward this carefully. I don't think – I think they view baseball through a lens of whoever the current admin there is, is like, why is this guy making the amount of money that he is – he's making? Oh, well, um, then he's probably leaving. But for who? It's, at some point, yeah. Well, if I'm him, I'm I'm making a call about that Georgia job, and if they're not going to offer the same money, then it is what it is. Well, that's what I was um, going to ask you. If Georgia's like, we'll match your money, what do you do? I got a question, and I don't know this. I don't I don't know anything about this. I have no insight on this. Texas doesn't make it out of a regional, right? Is there any chance they make a change? They don't seem – again, I don't know a ton about this. They don't seem overly thrilled with – All right, uh, dude's made – What's his he's name, made the college, Yeah, he's made the College World Series a lot. Like, he, he's made it three times – all right, so 17, he went to regional. 18, he went to the World Series. 19, he didn't make the tournament. And then he's gone to the World Series the past two years. But last year, he got put out by A&M um, in Omaha. That does not feel like a good thing to do at the University of Texas. And then this year, he doesn't host a regional. I don't think they'd make a change. But, like, if you call Dan McDonald and he's like, I'll take your freaking job, I would think about it. Well, that would be a thing where it turns into, would we make a change? Oh, McDonald's interested. Let's make a change. Yeah, like you know, like the White Sox did to Renneria, or the Cubs did to Renneria with uh, when Madden. They were saying, "Hey, that guy wants our job," and uh, we don't like this guy. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not. I have no insight. I just know that David Pierce not the most liked man in Texas. Um, I don't think. I think that's probably fair to say. I just wonder if they get put out and. Uh, Miami, if 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 changes me. Random, random sidebar. And again, in all years that we've been podcasting, I may have brought this up before. You know who's one of the nicest human beings I've ever met? Renneria. Yeah. He was the manager for a really bad White Sox team when I was doing that MLB internship. And I had to cover the White Sox for three days. And usually the way the deal worked is if I'm covering the away team, I don't exist. I'm just standing there with a recorder. And if I have the balls to ask a question, the guy looks at me like, Wait a minute, you're not a part of this traveling beat. Like, who who is this 12-year-old? <laughs> but Rick Renteria walked up to me after, like, the first game they played that night and was like, hey, are you, are you new on the beat? My name's Rick. Where are you from? And I was like, no, no, buddy, I, I'm just an intern. Like, I'm here for three days. Like, here's my Wait. story. And he was like, oh, Jackson, Mississippi. And then, like, spit me some random fact about Jackson. And I was like, okay. And then, like, talked to me for, like, five minutes. And I was mostly, like, shocked. He's like – and all the other people who actually deal with him on a daily basis are, like, staring at me. Like, what's going on here? And he was just being a nice guy. So, wait, wait. MLB manager Rick Renteria walks up to you and goes, Hi, my name's Rick. Yeah, he said, Hey, I'm Rick Renteria. Are you new on the beat? And I was like, uh, No, 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 no. I'm just filling in for – and I said the White Sox reporter's name. I think it's Scott something – and I was like, I'm an intern based out of Cincinnati. Here's what I do. And he's like, oh, that's really awesome. And then he was like, where are you from originally? And I was like, well, not around here, Jackson, Mississippi. And he was like, oh, yeah, Jackson, Mississippi, down south or whatever. And I was like, yeah. And yeah, he was like he, genuinely interested and was like very like, – and it wasn't like a fake thing. I was like, okay, this this guy's like nicer than I even know how to react to. <laughs> that's kind of awesome. I, I do respect. Like you didn't think you knew who a MLB manager was. It's like, buddy, you didn't realize you're sort of important. 
Yes. I mean, it, it, he literally could have been a clubby or a clubhouse guy at that point, like cleaning the shoes or whatever. And like, like I mean, again, I always respect him for that. Jim Riggleman yeah. was really nice too. Jim, Jim Riggleman was like, you're from Jackson. Where's your accent? I'm like, it's funny you say that I'm five, six and I talk out of my nose, but I swear I have the birth certificate to prove it. I was born in Jackson. <laughs> six and I talk out of my nose. <laughs> Anyway, um, where where are we at? All right, sorry. Uh, before I keep you all night, uh, we oh, went to the Auburn one. Clemson, you're uh one of your sexy like picks to win the whole thing. Ooh, ooh, buddy. Okay, Lipscomb is the they're four. Not, they're your not least favorite it. team of all time. They're not doing it. Tennessee is the two. Charlotte as the three. That'll be easy. Clemson's three and zero with that. Is that because they're playing away from home, the Vols? Just they're not playing in Lindsey Nelson Stadium, so I'm not sure how they're going to score. Well, it won't be because of that. They're, both places are orange, but it's a different shade of orange, so I imagine they won't be able to see as well. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. That's a good point. Florida, number two overall seed, well-deserved. Um, honestly, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year that Florida earned a higher national seed than LSU, it had actually been pretty shocked the way it shook out. Florida A&M as their uh, four – UConn mm-hmm. is the two, Texas Tech is the three. I think Florida rolls through it, but if you have any objections, let me know. Texas Tech. Ooh, why? You know, because I believe in karma, and 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 Kevin O'Sullivan's lost two regionals in a row. Why wouldn't we make it a third one? <laughs> totally fair. The uh, I don't I don't have any baseball reason. Yeah, just karma. It's like. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> man, the uh, Columbia Regional. Okay, how about this? This one could get weird. So, South mm-hmm. Carolina hosts again. We talked about it. They should host. They get Central Connecticut State. Uh, They're terrible. As their four, Campbell Camels. Yeah, they are near and dear to my heart, just by saying the Campbell Camels as the two, and NC State as the three. The Campbell Camels. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, have been a frisky two a bunch of times, and I don't believe they've ever made a super. I might be the year I take them to come out of this regional. Have they ever? Made I'm a taking super? them. No, they got beat. They've they've made the finals quite a few times and, and been in the out. winners bracket at least yeah. once and lost twice. Yeah, uh, happened against East Carolina. I wonder, and I don't have any insight on this. I wonder if Georgia. I would call him. I would absolutely. If you're not going to pay. Like absurd money, I, that that that's a coach I call um, because Campbell has been um, really consistent. Yeah, I'm taking Campbell. I'm absolutely taking. And again, South Carolina absolutely deserved host. Not particularly playing over playing overly well right now. Um, I don't really think NC State's that good. I'm taking Campbell for sure. Okay, I believe Campbell that gentleman's name is Justin Hare or something. They yeah, have I believe a good that, baseball I, program. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Uh, Campbell in the- Texas. They're also Go the ahead. fighting camels. I, I hate to malign oh. them. I love the Campbell camels. I would love if they showed up at the ballpark smoking camels, but uh, <laughs> they're the fighting camels. Just so we have I that. A, I think it may be a pretty religious institution. So I don't, I don't think they can get away with that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sick mascot, uh, honestly. That okay. logo and even like their official logo is the C, and it's just this gigantic, fierce looking camel. I'm all aboard the Campbell camels. Um, 10 seed. Um, it is uh coastal. They get yeah. Ryder as the four, Duke as the two, and UNC Wilmington as the three. This has the makings of a pretty scrappy regional, but I've watched a little yeah. bit of coastal and they seem like they're pretty damn good. Best team they've they had are. since 2017. Uh or, yes. No, when was that? 16. 
16. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Coastal gets out of it. Coastal can't really pitch, but I think they'll be able to bash enough to get out of that thing. Um, that's going to be a raucous environment. Yeah. Their whole environment of just even the football, like I pissed heel, looks like a WWE match in the stands. Ole Miss went up there. I'm pretty sure Ole Miss went up there the year they won the national title and won three games in like a tournament. I think it was 21. No, no, it was because I was still in college. Tate Blackman was playing. I remember him doing something good. Wait, wait. I thought you meant the year Ole Miss won the national title. I was like, no, no, that definitely wasn't last year. It was uh, – I'll look it up in a second. Um, Uh, They went to East Carolina the year COVID hit. I know that. Yes. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking of. And they won three games there before the season got scrapped. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm looking now. Um, But, yeah, I just remember that environment being really, really good. Yeah, they went to Coastal in uh, 2016 and beat – Ball State, Coastal, and Cincinnati. Um, and then went yeah, again but, in 20? Because I know it no, wasn't went, 17, and the reason I know that is because the preseason tournament that Ole Miss went to in 17 yeah. was that one in Houston where Bortles and Blackman, I think, got in trouble for ordering a beer at the airport. <laughs> oh, that's not great. Um, Remember, they went no, out there, they got swept. It was kind of their reality check, and then that a suspension happened. It's like, oh, my God, is a team captain. And I'm like, honestly – the fact that my team captain was like, I'm at Houston Hobby. We got a layover here. I'd like a cold Miller light. Uh, that was like, that is my captain. Yeah. Uh, no, they they went to, so they went to Coastal in 16. Um, they went to East in 20, East Carolina in 20. Okay. Um, Virginia gets the seven overall seed. Yeah. Or ECU is the two. The fighting Cliff Godwins and OU is the yeah. three, Oklahoma. Um, Virginia, I think, rolls through that one pretty easy. I'm going to take the fight in Cliff Godwins on really no information at all. Vandy, six overall. Eastern as Eastern Illinois is the four. Oregon as the two, and Xavier as the three. Oregon's not bad. I don't. If if um, Oregon's got a pretty good program under that guy that took over uh, about five years ago. What's the Vandy Friday night guy that's been hurt recently? But I think he's coming back. What's their Holton? Um, Carter Holton. Yeah, if he's back, I think they'll roll. Um, so I'll preface it with that. If if, if Holton's healthy, I think I think the uh, I think Vandy gets through that. Any shot that any sort of team in the southeast brings that Wazikowski guy from Oregon over? I don't know. They probably should. They were not a very good baseball program at all, and now they're kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he's he's done a hell, heck of a job there. Um, after uh, I can't remember the guy that was at Fullerton, he came to Oregon. I can't remember his name. Oklahoma State, Stillwater Regional, Oral Roberts is the four, DBU is the two, Washington State is the three. You could tell me every NCAA tournament every ever played as DBU is a two or a three that's kind of frisky. <laughs> they got I buy it. Do you remember the Stillwater Regional last year? Uh, was that the one where Arkansas and uh, Oklahoma State just it uh-huh. was an absolute wild card for two days? Yes, and Oklahoma State, people forget this. Oklahoma State was down like – so they were in the 1-1 game because Arkansas beat them in the yep. winner's bracket game in a crazy game. They were in the 1-1 game against Missouri State and were down like 13 to nothing or something. Yeah, and they came back to one like 20-something to 15. It wasn't even close, yeah. Um. So I'm actually pulling that box now. Uh, 29 to 15. They wound up winning by 14. They were down 12 to nothing and won by 14 runs. I, I, somebody probably should have been fired. 
Um, that was must-see TV, though. That entire regional from that first nuts. game against Arkansas to the – I believe they pushed it to Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, so they wound up beating Arkansas in 10 innings on Sunday night. And then the game on Monday, it ended 7-3 Arkansas, but it was it was really, Way really closer close than that. End. That yeah. was electric TV. Yeah, that, that was that was what college baseball needed. Um, so I really like that environment. I think Oklahoma State gets out of there this year. Indiana State, 14 overall C. We documented them earlier. Wright State is their four. Iowa is the two. UNC is the three. With it being a 14 seed, all things considered, a pretty favorable draw for the fighting Larry yeah. Bird, the Sycamores. Yeah, Iowa. Give me Iowa. Okay. And then yeah. lastly, Arkansas gets Santa Clara as the four. TCU is the two and Arizona as the three. TCU a little frisky, though. Yeah. Santa Clara is not a terrible four either. Oh, screw it. I can, I can do whatever I want. Nobody's going to hold this against me. TCU. Love it. What do you make of Arizona making the NCAA tournament uh, with a 12-18 and 18 record in the Pac-12? Um, They so went straight off RPI? Some, yeah, they went straight off RPI because I am pretty sure – Let's see. Yep. Um, USC, 17 and 13, did not get in. Arizona, 12 and 18, did did get in. Uh, that Whoa, doesn't... okay. So I looked that up earlier today and never found the two side-by-side of that. Holy cow. Yeah, five games difference. I don't think that would happen to the SEC. There'd be a right. How much was, let's see, Arizona was 45 RPI. USC was 53. Are we really going to give somebody? Um, Dude. I, I, what do you think happened yeah, there? It was RPI. They just went strictly off RPI. Arizona did have four more top 50 wins. Um, That's a five-game conference difference in the same league. Um, USC had more top 100 wins. Did they play? Let's see if they played. Um, this, this, is, this may have been the one they got wrong. Yeah, they they did play, um, and Arizona took two out of three. I guess that if you wanted to use that as a tiebreaker, but the people do that. No, I've been much. told that head to head doesn't matter. Yeah, and people do that. I was told too that much, in twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, and momentum was a thing. Um, but people oh, do the thing. Purple where, and gold momentum. Correct. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, that's why Ole Miss got in last year was because they ended the year with such great momentum. Um. But people do this thing where they're like, oh, they beat them two out of three. They win the top record. Well, it has to be tied for you to use the top Yeah. <laughs> What's this tied? Hey, Ole Miss, the one time they played Southern in a full game, beat them. I think Ole Miss should actually be the two seed in the Auburn Regional because tiebreaker, bro. Uh, who's the four seed in the Auburn Regional? Can you tell me that real quick? Yeah, I can. Hold on. Give me two seconds. The four seed is uh, – oh, the Nerds, Penn. Oh, yeah. I don't need to see Ole Miss get eliminated by Penn. You'd like the Quakers over Ole Miss? Did you see Ole Miss play this year? I don't know. Rivas. <laughs> He's throwing game one, buddy. He... <laughs> 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 He's... He's getting beat by Troy. I can't believe I can formulate this sentence. Would you save Rivas? <laughs> the losers bracket. <laughs> no, for the winner's bracket <laughs> game against Auburn, son. Would you go JT Quinn against the Nerds? Oh, God. Uh, what a place we're in. That wraps up our NCAA tournament coverage. Every time I tell you this, though, that we're not going to go very long, I end up keeping you for an hour 45. 
But whatever. I don't apologize. I enjoy every second of this. I have one more story to get to before we get out of here, and I think you know what it is. Yeah. You ready? Yes. We have a follow-up on the Alabama betting scandal. Yeah. Ooh, actually, to get people to stay to the very end, I told you a random anecdote about a proposal at a bar I was at on the square. I have a follow-up on that to end the show. Okay. All right. So, uh, which really just underscores the far right, far-reaching nature of this podcast. Be that as it may, stick around to the end of this just rambling podcast, people. Okay, so we have an update on the Alabama betting situation. Um, Pat Forty, everyone's favorite sports reporter. Yeah, great, great, great guy. Big volleyball fan. Big, big Louisville volleyball fan. Loves the cards uh, and the uh, athletic nature of their volleyball players. Um, we're just going fully off the rails here. <laughs> Screw it. Uh, jail, like Brad Bohannon, maybe. So he co-reported this story with a guy named Richard Johnson, who works for Sports Illustrated now. He does a show on SEC Network called Thinking Out Loud with uh, Spencer Hall, who was yep. the founder of Every Day Should Be Saturday. I just want to give him credit because I admire what he does. I think they have a good show. I believe he yep. was an SB Nation guy, too. Does great work. So he is a co-author on this story. There is There had been an updated report about, oh, I guess that's three days ago on Friday. So we, we sit here on the 29th, the 26th that basically one man's gambling activity is at the center of two simultaneous NCAA investigations into college baseball programs. The last time we talked about this scandal, we did kind of a spur of the moment podcast um, as the news was breaking about Iowa and the Alabama scandal had broken the week before. And we kind of speculated about the scope of it and kind of what it involved. And, I don't know about you. Did you did you know that Cincinnati was dealing with an NCAA investigation or an investigation of any sort dealing to uh, gambling at all? I, I totally missed this. Did you have any clue before right. the story came out? Um, no. I So I saw last week um, Kendall tweeted that Cincinnati had fired two coaches and they let yeah. the press release go during the middle of the game. And I do remember making the mental note, oh, that's interesting considering where this gambling activity happened. That I, I didn't know anything. I was just like, oh, that something's up. And then 24 hours later, something was up. So my I remember briefly seeing that. And then when I was researching it, I say researching, literally just Googling for this podcast, I noticed that the release that you're talking about, that they released in the middle of a game about them being fired, came two weeks after they had placed the said administrators on administrative leave. Yep. So... Clearly, that to me, covering college athletics long enough, they probably decided pretty early on, can't keep these guys. When do you actually kind of drop the news without making a news? Well, in yeah. the middle of a game seems like a nice place to start. So Sixth inning, sixth inning in a mound visit sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that seems like a decent way to drop the news. But uh, I guess as the Mississippi-based podcast is now talking about this, that's evidence enough that there is no such thing as a news dump in this modern age of college baseball. So I'll just outline this real quickly for the people who maybe not have been keeping up and who may not have been listening. I know people probably most of the people listening understand that Alabama's had an investigation. Brad Bohannon was fired. There was a guy placing wagers at a sports book in Cincinnati who was in direct communication with Brad Bohannon. And that was the center of the Alabama investigation. Well, what do you know? The guy at the center of this investigation is the father of a player on the Cincinnati baseball team. His name is Bert Neff. That is B-E-R-T-N-E-F-F. And his son is named Andrew Neff. 
It says, according to the report, multiple sources say that Bert and Eugene Eugene Neff of Mooresville, Indiana, and people are thinking, why Indiana? I can tell you from having lived in Cincinnati, Cincinnati is on the southern tip of Ohio. Northern Kentucky borders it, and you can literally drive 30 minutes to get to any sort of southern Indiana town. So the fact that he's in Indiana really has no geographical relevance. It's probably one of those southern towns right around Cincinnati. Wait, uh, place wagers that raise suspicion at the sports book in the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. If that's actually true and it's inside Great American Ballpark and it's it's on it the is. way, what an irony! Um, it is, yeah, it absolutely is. Okay, that was not there when I was there before an Alabama LSU baseball game on April 28th. The sports book indicated surveillance Neff was in communication with Alabama coach Brad Bohannon. We already know all of this. Then you just outlined the two Cincinnati staffers, assistant Kyle Sprague and operations director Andy Nagel, were terminated on May 17th for what sources say was knowledge of Neff's gambling activity, which the men did not report to school administrators. All I'll right, stop I there. got questions. I what do you make about that? There. What do you right, make I of got that? questions on those two. Um, all right. What are they supposed to do? Like, all right. And, and again, I need to know what they knew. Okay. So like it's one thing to 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 say like hey they gave him money to bet I don't I don't think that happened but if they know this guy is going to bet like if all they know is he's going to go bet on Alabama LSU baseball okay like what are they are they supposed to call the the freaking president of the university um I'd like to know what rule stipulates that they have to report that a man is going to bet on a college baseball game like do that you, is what I find you, interesting about this whole report right. Um, yeah, like, like, do you without, think that college football coaches know people that bet on college football games? Are they supposed to report that to administration? I just need, I need more info than they knew about. It. Like, what did they know? Well, that that's what raised my eyebrows too, because I don't think, without diving too far into it, there's not a rule that parents can't bet on stuff. No, right? I don't think. I wouldn't think. So, the way this story is worded that they knew of his betting activity and didn't inform any anybody, that makes me wonder, what's the actual stipulation there to fire him? Like, what was the actual information that they knew? Because if they knew yeah. he was just a, say, we'll just call it a degenerate gambler and he was going to bet on Alabama LSU stuff, the fact that he's betting on another the same NCAA sport that they're involved in, do they have an obligation with that? Or was the information they knew more nefarious was my first question. Yeah, right. Because on its surface, that doesn't really; those two things don't make any sense, right? I'm not crazy in thinking that. No, no, I don't. I don't get if all they knew this guy was betting on college baseball, that he was fired, uh, and then they were fired. That makes no sense to me. So obviously, you would at least think that logically they knew more, way more information than that. Right. So they've been fired for knowing whatever information that was, and. What's interesting about being at the center of it is not the fact, my first instinct was, okay, let's go look and see if Alabama has any players from the Ohio, Northern Kentucky, Southern Indiana area. The answer is no. But do you remember what I informed you on last podcast we did when we talked about this? Where did Brad Bohannon spend 11 years as assistant? Lexington, Kentucky. Kentucky. In college baseball, who does the majority of recruiting? Assistant coaches. Do you know that this guy, Bert Neff, is apparently a youth baseball coach that is very connected among the youth and amateur baseball ranks um, in 
the north, southern Ohio, northern Kentucky, southern Indiana area. So clearly, how do you think that Brad Bohannon met this guy just based off yeah. your instinct? Yeah, they, they're recruiting. Right. So clearly, though, Brad Bohannon was an assistant at Kentucky from 2004 to 2015. So when do you figure he met Mr. Neff, if you're just guessing? Uh, that would be uh, when he was at the University of Kentucky. That would tell you that their relationship did not just start, you know, spring of 2022 or winter of 2023. You know, get what I say yeah. winter of 2020. That hasn't happened yet. Winter of 2022. This is not some recent thing, right? Conventional yeah. wisdom would tell you that. Correct. So through his work as a coach and administrator with Indiana Elite, a youth travel team for teenage players, Neff has ties to college recruiting. Mm. The IE League, Indiana Elite, has produced several college players, including his own son. Oh, boy. Mm. It's not great. It's not great. Uh, um. All right. I do wonder, there is a part of me that wonders if Bohannon just was like, that there's not some grand conspiracy, that Bohannon was just giving the dude inside information. And he knew he was betting on it. Let me be very clear. I'm, I'm, I would, I don't have any insight, but I would uh, say, it's funny saying this, I would bet that Bohannon knew the guy was going to bet on the game. But I do wonder if like there was just Bohannon was like, hey, you want some inside info? And he gave him the inside info. And there's not like some massive grand conspiracy. Um, but I could also be convinced that there's a massive grand conspiracy as well. Okay. So that being the case, and again, just kind of putting your instinct hat on is, what motivation do you think that Brad Bohannon would have to give this random travel ball coach inside information? Like, what are the odds that you yeah. think that he was just some random guy? Hey, he was friendly to me on the recruiting trail. I'll just text this guy inside information. Or do you think it's more likely that, oh, I know this guy's a big better, probably in deep with the whole betting underworld, underbelly thing, and that's why he's giving him inside information. That's yeah, the, Logically, that that's probably where it should go. Um, yeah. God, that, man, that, that just feels gross. Just, just feels gross, especially like I don't know, man. If if you're gonna be over over kids that are being recruited, and and your kids gonna play college baseball, I would I would just not. And, and you know, I know all this is allegedly. Obviously, I would not allegedly bet on college baseball. Um, I just I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on sports that that my kid is participating in. Well, exactly. That would be the common sense way to approach things. And so the yeah. fact that this guy was doing this again. I don't know. We've both in the past life been in, you know, understand, I would say at the very least, kind of the way the sports wagering game works, kind of who the big time characters are to a general degree. I'm talking about just a general stereotypical profiling degree of how that world works. So clearly sure. it seems very obvious that probably a Brad Bohannon's communicating with a random coach or excuse me, a random guy whose son's on the Cincinnati baseball team who's well involved in the teenage travel ball ranks, the odds of him not knowing that this guy's kind of in the sports wagering game before they start communicating. Oh, those are none. Pretty slim. Those are none. Yeah, those are none. Um, or next to none. I, I absolutely would believe that that this guy or that Bohannon knew this guy was going to use said information to go bet on a baseball game. The question now, becomes, did, did, did this happen before? 
If it did, what does that mean? That's that's and, the question that has to be answered. And to kind of put a question on top of your question, the idea, remember we talked about last time of like, okay, is this like, how much are we going to find out? Is this going to be one of those classic like school scandals that we don't really know a ton. They keep it under wraps because they can. And this is just kind of the end of it. And we don't hear a ton. Well, here's a very poignant part of this uh, reporting that Richard Johnson and Pat Forty have done. There's a sentence in the middle of this story that says, Neff's gambling activity could have criminal reverberations that go beyond NCA inquiries. I don't well, feel like they put that in there on accident. Uh, well, what? Yeah. And on top of that, let me tell you, like, what are we going to find out about this? If that is the case and it is an actual turns into a criminal case. Uh, let me tell you, buddy, we're going to figure out everything because guess who does not care about positive PR and hiding information that the maybe feds. the public does not want that. Yeah. The, the feds, the, <laughs> the federal government, the FBI, whoever's investigating this, they do not care. And so, that's the part of this that's fascinating to me. And we talked about this last time. It's like, does Bohannon's thing, is it just a, hey, he violated the gambling policy, he's fired, we can't do this whole thing, like we just can't have him as the face of our program. That sentence in this story alone would tell me that that's not what is the case here. What, is, what does that tell you? I just I just said that I don't think they put it there by accident. Um, you don't put that there unless, you know, you, you have – I mean, not information is not the right word, but you have a belief that there's going to be a criminal uh, aspect of this. So where do you think this goes? I don't know. Um, they're going to have to. I do think they'll have to prove that this happened before. Like, I don't think anybody's going down off of this happening one time. You know what I mean? Maybe they do. Um, but but it's like, man, look. You know, always hear it said like this when, you know, we, we do these things where, you know, when our kids go to prom, um, you know, they, they do the the skit where they show all the bad stuff that happened. Nobody really ever gets caught drunk driving their first time. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I probably think that this is maybe not the first time that something happened like this. Maybe it is. But usually when you get in trouble for stuff like this, you don't get caught the first time. I was about to say, I mean, on the surface level, the odds of this guy, knowing what we know about him now, giving Brad Bohannon, randomly giving him information. Again, it goes back to the game that they bet on, that Alabama's yeah. ace starter was late scratch. This is the game in question. It just seems like the odds of this being a one-off, ah, okay, bad luck, or this isn't what it seems, seems almost slim to none. You know, what's kind of interesting is that they did he didn't bet on the two other games. So obviously what that tells me is that if he didn't bet on the two other games, he bet on that game because he had the information that the guy was being scratched. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't betting on it because he 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 um thought Alabama was going to lose. He was betting on it because the guy was gonna be scratched. Otherwise right. he would have bet against them two other times that weekend, I would think. Right. Again, this is all alleged and we don't really know any sure. information about it, but the reason he's placing that particular bet is because the information he's receiving, not because he thinks whichever side is going to win. Right. Um, and I guess what I'm saying is like, he, he knew that those two games uh, allegedly that, you know, there was not going to be some sort of uh, advantage for the uh, Louisiana state university in those games, whereas there was going to be, um, on Friday night. It's still crazy to me, though, that, like, first off, Alabama almost came back and won that game. And two, 
you're trying to make, you know, and I don't know what the the bet was uh, from a dollar figure perspective, but like the money line was like minus two fifty. Were you really trying to make a that like that gives even more signal that you're trying to make, you know, an absurd bet on a minus two fifty money line? Yes, that's that's expensive now. But that's also it reminds me of the whole that Allen from the hangover scene. It's like gambling if you know you're going to win. Who said anything about gambling? Counting cards is a foolproof system. Well, if you have the inside information. Do you know how how nervous was this guy when Alabama had the winning run at the plate in the ninth inning? Uh, Allegedly, maybe not that nervous because his guy he placed the bet for is in control. Maybe he tells him to steal first base from second. Hey, go run backwards, son. Or you're going well, to they- some practice. <laughs> Of course, I'm being ridiculous at this point, and I don't have any other information, and we don't need to speculate further, but I'll leave it at this. This is not the end of the story, correct? There's got to be more. All right, I'd say far from it. So anyway, listeners out there, keep an eye on it. Last thing. What happened at a bar? Yeah. I'll let you go. Do you remember last time when I told you that I was at a bar called Bar Muse with my fiance MC. Um, it was her sister's graduation weekend. It was my brother's too. We left her sister's graduation party, met a couple friends at Bar Muse. It was one of her close friends' birthday. Yeah. yeah and yeah. inside this tiny bar, I told you I witnessed a proposal. Okay. Well, I get a message about a week ago. I have no idea if this guy who's a listener to this podcast, thank you for listening, by the way. You know exactly who you are. I have no idea if he wants me to use his name or not, so I'm just going to side on the side of caution. And say say I'm not not some secretive thing. He messaged me and said, "So I asked my daughter who's home from school this weekend if she's heard about the bar by the lyrics. She says yes. That she just found out about it a few weeks ago and laughed and said, "Quote: I got engaged there." So I pull up the podcast and let her listen, and she's dying with laughter. It's a joke, but you've now made my family's entire day really enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Apparently, this was a fake engagement. It was a fake engagement. And the daughter of the person at the center of this elaborate scheme that broke my brain uh, listens to this podcast. So this was not a real engagement, which I'm now just heartbroken. I don't know the meaning of true love anymore. This is all, I'm just reeling. Do we need to start a reality show? I'm not sure. But I was just floored by the idea of this random encounter I had. I went by after they got quote-unquote engaged. It seemed like a real engagement to me. It just dapped them both up. I told you that anecdote where she was like, I'm having a great time. And I was like, well, shit, I hope you are. You just got engaged. Now it makes a little more sense. Apparently this was just a, a, a joke, a stunt. I appreciate the effort if that was the case. They seem like they have a great relationship if they can date and the guy can fake a proposal in a public bar and then laugh it off. I envy to have the chemistry that those two do. I was just to say, I feel like if you had pulled a fake engagement right before you like actually engaged, you might would not have actually gotten engaged. I asked for clarification and he said, no, not a real proposal, just a spur of the moment thing that they did. I was like, oh, okay. If I'd have tried that at a bar, MC would have knocked me into next week. I'd have probably had to file a public abuse charge. (laughs) Have a restraining order against your girlfriend. Yeah, for just backhand me. I'd be digging her nails out of my face for weeks, and rightfully so. I'm not even sure I'd go to the cops. But yeah, I probably deserve that. <laughs> I earned that one. So, <laughs> That's great. That is great. I would just like the oh, public God. to know that the engagement I witnessed was apparently a ruse. Maybe it was a grand conspiracy to get me to freak out. Who knows? Maybe they're like, so it, was a, it, it was a fake news engagement? 
fake news engagement is the greatest way to put it. So um, shout out to the people out there. Shout out to them for listening. I got a great laugh out of it. Thank you as always. And for you, I appreciate the time, dude. I did not intend to keep you this long, but hey, this is the last one before we send you to the off season. I appreciate the time as always, my man. And, you know, we'll do a little draft pod, but then we'll get you a little off time, a little R&R, and it'll be February before you know it. All right, my man. Sounds good. And that'll do it for our show today. Appreciate Colin's time as we send him off into the offseason and uh, really continue. It's been like a month and a half long offseason for us from a content standpoint because uh, the way the baseball season played out as we just covered on that pod. But we'll uh, have something a little later on in the week. I think I may be talking to Chase, but uh, we will see what the rest of the week has to offer. But I appreciate you listening to this podcast. As always, I hope you guys had a great Memorial Day weekend and have a great start to your week.